There's the whole conundrum in the good place about like trying to find an organic tomato and like <laughs> trying to like not take negative life points by like hurting people in the process of buying an organic tomato. And it's like an impossible task. Well, you know, it won't help you buy an organic tomato and it's definitely not a impossible task is listening to this here episode of the Halcyon Frequency podcast airing March 21st, 2022. This is episode 10. I'm blind. I'm your host. And that was an interesting intro. Uh, and I'm joined <laughs> with uh, FG Squared. How are you doing today? Uh, yeah. Hi. Um, I'm, I'm good. I'm actually good. Um, I've moved. So it has actually happened. Uh, we didn't know until about two weeks ago if we were if we would move a week ago or not, but it all worked out. It all worked out, and you know, like a lot of the stuff that could have gone wrong went wrong. But we have moved. The house is good. The internet is stable and fast. So yeah, I can't complain. I had a nap this afternoon because uh, I ended early because we had house stuff to do. So yeah, not bad. Not bad. And we're also joined by Jess. How how are you doing this morning, afternoon? I think it's afternoon. Feels like afternoon. A day of daylight savings. <laughs> you know, I, I'd say fifty fifty. I actually have a, a pretty bad headache right now. Mm. And but you know, it's fine. I'm watching some really trippy music videos right now <laughs> in the background. <laughs> is that maybe strange. where your headache is coming from? <laughs> I think it depends no. on the music video. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there's there's definitely some uh, some bands that I know of that have put out some pretty trippy music videos that would give you a headache just yeah, with flashy same. lights and colors and stuff. Yeah, but exactly. Like, eh, depends. It depends on the music video, I suppose. <laughs> this isn't research for the question sections later, is it? Um, not 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 exactly. It kind of led me here, but. <laughs> okay. Now I'm curious I'm like, as to what your answer is going to be. Oh, well, teaser for the end, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah. So stick around. Like, it, it's 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 been a weird week for me as well, kind of like I'm I'm doing weirdly well considering like as I I feel like mentally I'll I'll have like high points and low points, and I was definitely at a low point at the beginning of this week, and then like on Wednesday afternoon out at the park when I went was going on a walk, I kind of just like changed my whole streaming schedule, and now I'm like weirdly positive. We'll see how long that lasts, but like for right now, I'm like actually pretty good, which is nice. Yay, pretty good is good. Also, the fact that I get three days off in a row after this, and I get to see a band next week, which I'm also excited about. So, ooh, that's good. Yeah, outside yeah. and people because things. Like, at, at, at the beginning of the pandemic, I had a ton of tickets pre-bought for shows throughout the year, and they all got refunded. And most of them go through a, a service called AMG, um, which is like an extension of Ticketmaster out in Canada. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I I have like $200 in credit that I can just spend on shows. Um, so it's just like, oh, $28 show? Yeah, I'll go. And it's even better is because I have it in credit. I don't need to pay their processing fees because the money's already in their system. So I'm actually like getting discounts, um, nice. which is kind of interesting. But Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I would prefer they just gave me a cash refund, but. I guess I'll do it this way. Hey, I, I mean, it's money that you that's already out of your budget anyways. So, you know, might as well now yeah. use it, right? If you can't get yeah. it back. Absolutely. It's nice. like, well, a show at 8 p.m. Yeah, I could just get on the train at 7. And... 
make it there no problem. Awesome. I get to go see Death Haven if anybody's wondering out there, but I also know who got that to is. see. Well, nobody knows who Death Haven is. That that's fine. Uh, okay, <laughs> unless you already know who Death Haven is. Um, although on, on the topic of things that uh, people did, uh, people do know who they are. I saw Dragon Force last week. That's kind of a video gamey topic that I could talk about briefly. I know who they are. Card. It kind of it kind of is. Yeah. Um, they had like massive like okay. F- first off, it's kind of a streamer topic too because Herman Lee, the um, yeah. the, the guitarist. I was, of, I was gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, the guitarist of um, uh, Dragon Force and founder of the band and author of most of their songs is um, a active Twitch streamer, and so he's streaming yes. the entire tour, quite literally, like with multiple camera angles, and he's got like cameras on his shoulders and one on his guitar. He's got like many cameras like up this like up above the audience in places, and so. While he's playing, he's got a guy off stage who's like running a stream deck and a laptop controlling nice. the stream, which is kind of neat. Um, and there was cool, like yeah. a point where I, 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 I was like next to the pit, like kind of standing away from the densest part of the crowd, popped into my phone. was like, hi from the crowd. And the chat's just like spamming. It was, it was a good time. It's kind of kind of neat. Um, That's cool. Yeah. They, they pulled in a, a guest player from uh, a local band called Unleash the Archers and um, played an homage to everybody's favorite game of all time, Farming Simulator, um, <laughs> which included like half of the band leaving and coming out in overalls and cowboy hats. <laughs> nice. Pr- and, the, and a banjo. So like, if you've ever heard Dragon Force's music, it's like ridiculously fast and silly. Imagine that with like a banjo at the lead. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> um, I would listen to so, that actually, yeah. That sounds yeah, good. They, 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 they did a... Uh, it was a good set. Uh, they they have a, um, a a vocalist who joined the band relatively recently. It was like a couple of years ago since I last saw them, um, and uh, he did a great job with their old stuff. Like they, their old stuff has some pretty impressive vocal work, and their old vocalist never did it justice. Um, and their new guy is really really good. So yeah, it was a great show. It was a lot of fun. Um, they have a song about Skyrim called "The Last Dragonborn." So. Well, don't they have lots of songs about lots of different games? <laughs> Not actually that many. Um, there, there's like some loose references to games in some of their music, but the majority of their stuff is like just unique. But they, they, they write a lot of like pretty generic, like hoorah, like fantasy. We're going to ride with this like magical battalion through space kind of music. But like, <laughs> I, I don't think they have anything that is just straight up about a video game. Because like this, this song straight up references names and places and characters and spells. They don't actually say Skyrim at any point in the song, but the song's called "The Last Dragonborn," right? And yeah. they talk about shouting at dragons. Like, it, I mean, it's just about Skyrim. Yeah, yeah. We all shout yeah, at dragons Skyrim all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's normal. No, it was a fun show. It, it, it was good to see them. Yeah, I can imagine. Just being able to go out and do stuff is cool. Talking about going out and doing stuff, I'm going to IKEA on Monday. Oh boy, <laughs> that is a thing. Yeah, we bought a we bought a wardrobe online and got it delivered, a lot amongst like tons of other stuff. Turns out we got the one that's too tall because it comes oh, in like no. two versions, so we have to take it back, get it refunded. IKEA's pretty good about that stuff, though. Yeah, they are. The only the only problem is you have to take it there. They don't come and collect it, so we have to rent Ooh. a van. Take it there, return it, buy the other one. Um, yeah, but it's okay. Well, I get to go to Ikea. I haven't been to Ikea in a bajillion years, is what it feels like. So, yeah, yeah, Ikea. 
Go get some meatballs. A very stressful adventure. <laughs> well, it's gonna be it's gonna be during the week, so it's hopefully not gonna be super busy, right? It's gonna be what? like Monday early afternoon, so hopefully it won't be as too crowded. As long as it's not summer. Jess, so I've got a kids, question. All the kids are on vacation. Well, it why, was why do you think that IKEA is stressful? Is it because of is it because they're they're designed to make you get lost? Is it because of crowds? Like what what, what part of IKEA? Oh, one hundred one hundred percent of crowds. Really? Yes, one hundred percent. Most of the time when I go to IKEA, well, okay, so basically, in the U.S., I'm, I'm sure this is actually most places we have one IKEA for like a city, maybe oh. two, and yeah, so same. like everybody goes <laughs> we have four yeah but then you live in a city with a uh, like mi millions of people right so i mean I, I i live in an area that is technically four cities and i think in total it's like six million people or something that's why it's but like four. <laughs> Van vancouver is like three hundred thousand people north van which is technically its own city is another two hundred thousand burnaby is like one million uh surrey is like three million richmond is like a million uh new west is like two hundred thousand or something but like each one of those major city centers has their own ikea there's a small one in vancouver there's one in uh there's one in like kind of the burnt like the faraway burnaby area there's and, th and then there's one in richmond and there's another one out in abbotsford and so i think that maybe spreads people out because like whenever i've been to any of them none of them have had huge crowds like they're not empty but like they're not packed but I also, I guess I don't go on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. That's why we're Usually going on a Monday. Like a Tuesday morning. Yeah, if, if I have to go to Ikea, I definitely try to do it on a weekday in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but otherwise it's just crowds and ugh, people who like just walk so slowly. slowly. <laughs> oh my God, it's, yeah. Like, they, just, they just get in front of everyone and like walk four people wide and then just walk really? at like half a mile per hour speeds and i'm just like get out of my way yeah or the worst the worst <laughs> are because they they run around with a little blog and a little pencil and then because they're they're, they're they're like like they're writing things down right on a notepad and then they stop in the middle of the aisle to talk about do we want to get it in black or white or what color do we want and it's just like go stand over there there's space over there go stand there and then Go do it there. Don't block my way. Come on. Just be aware of your fellow men. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I want to say it's like usually the, the crowds at Ikea are like 70% people who are not aware of everyone else around them who are who's annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. why it's so stressful. Yeah. I, I don't think we'll go, we'll go and get meatballs, though, because it's still a bit, I don't know. Depends on how crowded it is, I suppose, and if we want lunch or not. We'll see. The meatballs are also aren't good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The thing, the thing is, we we have to, as I said, we have to rent a van, so we have to return it yeah. by end of day. Otherwise, also, if it costs it's like an more. hourly rental, you definitely want to be out of there quick. No, it's not hourly; it's daily. It's actually sixty nine okay. pounds nice. per day, but obviously, we don't want to keep it till next day. You know, we just want yeah. to have it return on Monday. Yeah, you want to get that back as quick as possible. Yeah. Yeah. The, the last thing I bought from IKEA was a. Uh, like a, a, a two-door delivery thing. So, like, a mm. company brought it to me, which was actually kind of a weird experience because, like, it, it, it was just a shelving unit, right? It's like a Calax, I think is the name of it, mm. um, which I bought for my records because it was cheap and it was just a way that I could store my records that wasn't a cardboard box on the ground. Um, and uh, the guy that delivered it 
super helpful. Like walked it from the truck on a dolly all the way into my apartment for me. Uh, put put the box in the apartment and everything. Um, and then like as he was leaving, gave me this real quick spiel where he's just like. About 10 minutes after I leave, you're going to get a text message from us. It's going to ask for a review. If you leave us a poor review, we might not get work tomorrow. <laughs> it was like, Aww. oh, okay. So you're like guilting me into giving you a positive review. But like you, like they were great. Like they were mm. on time, like on the dot and delivered it perfectly. And they're just like, yeah, it's like a review-based pecking order of like which company gets booked out that day to do the deliveries. Wow, that's rough. I on think... a daily basis, which I don't understand how that's legal, but... Yeah, that sounds really rough. Gosh. It's weird. Bizarre. Yeah. Here here they just contracted out to like logistics companies. Like it's like it's just a standing contract and they just delivered cuz we had our stuff also delivered and they they carried it upstairs and whatnot. Um so carrying it down the stairs is going to suck. But uh, But there was no yeah. review process or anything after that? No. No, no, no. It's just a it's just they have just the standing contract. I think. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, my chair. I, I bought a new chair and I got that delivered t today from a different logistics company. And they are going to get a review from me on Google because absolutely atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. <laughs> we are in a, we're, we're, we're in a new development, right? So we, we are not available everywhere to find on a map yet because stuff hasn't updated yet. But you can find us. Like, you know, like... If you have access to like the post office stuff and whatnot, they can find us because like the post delivers here already. Like uh, you know, all the other companies find us. And then yesterday they just they were just like couldn't find you, and they just they just showed up. Uh, they took a picture of where they couldn't find us of like just a dirt road with one of the houses in development on it, but no idea where that even was or whatever. Like it's just oh. And then their website didn't work, and their website on like their chat on their website didn't work, and. You can't leave them any delivery instructions either. Like they have a field and they're like, leave us delivery instructions, but there's no text field, uh, like text field to put in delivery, delivery instructions. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. I, so I, I guess the other question is what, what, what chair did you buy? Oh, secret lab chair. Yeah, yeah, I I want one of those. I I know racing chairs are not for everybody, definitely not. But having tried different chairs and different configuration of chairs, I work best with racing chair configurations. It's just how my body works. Yeah, so that's what I went with. Yeah, I think the main problem I think with racing chairs for me isn't the design of them themselves like I've, I've used them and i think that they're nice the problem is i think that there's a lot of companies that are really bad that make them mm, there's yeah, just a absolutely. lot of really cheap racing chairs out there so that yeah. kind of gives them a really bad rap but secret lab's good yeah they're one of the better ones there's definitely like a couple companies that just kind of jumped on that and sold them for real cheap yeah yeah definitely like the one i Which have now i'm also happy general. with but it's like six years old at this point and I sit in it every single day for very long yeah. periods of time. Like it's like there is no more cushion left, basically. Like it's getting to that point and it's being yeah. a bit wobbly. Like it's it's not it's not like broken broken or anything like that, but my my tushy is going to appreciate having a cushion beneath it again. <laughs> <laughs> I uh was cleaning my chair the other day and like there's parts of my chair that are like mouse levels of gross. Like, I actually had to, like, disassemble part of it to, like, get 
weird bits of dandruff and hair gunk out of spots in my chair. Yeah. Yeah, let's not talk about how, how dirty slash clean it is. That's true. I had I have cat like I had cats. Now I just have one cat that also slept on the chair. So yeah. Yeah. Cat litter. Yeah. <laughs> it's just gonna end just up like in random bits just mashed into the chair. Yeah. Yeah. It's just getting there. <laughs> that that is like cleaning the keyboard. I don't really have that issue with a chair, but oh. cleaning the keyboard is disgusting. I mean, I had this discussion with my chat um, last night, but uh, do you want to know how I clean my keyboard? Sure. I take all of the keys off, and I put the keys into an isopropyl alcohol soak, and let them soak for about 10 minutes. And then I take the keyboard base, and I put it in the dishwasher. And I dishwash it. And I yeah. take it out of the dishwasher and I leave it in the sink, uh, like top down for about 24 hours. And I don't use my computer or I plug in my extra keyboard because I have a membrane keyboard that I just have. Um, and then about 24 to 48 hours later, I put all the keys back on and I plug it in and it looks like new. How, how do you put it through the dishwasher without completely ruining it? Uh, don't, no, no hot water and no dry cycle. But it's it's got. As long as you as long as, long as, as you dry it out before you plug it in, it's fine. It's fine. It doesn't. What show about it the out. cord and everything? Yeah, that's well, that's... my cord's disabled, dis dis disconnectable. Yeah, that's what uh. I was going to say. That's the one problem with my keyboard. I cannot detach my cords, so I can't do that. Yeah, that that was some like I my last keyboard, my previous keyboard was a Razer keyboard, um, and the it it didn't have a it was like a i think a razor black widow um i can't remember what generation name it was but it, it was the one before they started making them backlit it was like the mm -hmm. last generation of pre-blacklit ones and it didn't have a disconnectable cable and the reason that keyboard that keyboard stopped working was the cable got faulty so ever since then i've the, the well i guess the keyboard i bought after that which is a um cooler master master keys which is just a very basic like uh cherry mx brown switches blank keyboard um with no light with no backlighting or anything just like three leds it has a disconnectable cable and it's just usb type c so i can just like unplug that and take all the keys off and just wash it um you probably could wash it with the cable on but it might hurt your cable <laughs> yeah point, yeah about. i think it would hurt my cable so i'll just i'll just do it maybe i'll but try it when i get a new keyboard <laughs> but try it with the <laughs> old see, keyboard just first science like, it if you have a backup keyboard, science it with the old one and see if the old one still works. Because like yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, because I, I plan on getting a new keyboard, so I could just record it, and then it could be like you know my can I I can make oh a whole YouTube video out of it. Can you dishwash a cable uh, a keyboard with a cable? <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, like I I, I have a a friend who lives in a um a rather hot place in the U.S. Uh, and he just he'll do similar things except he just puts it outside in like dry 100 degree weather and it just dries it out mm. so like except i think he just puts it in the sink and just like sprays it <laughs> it's like at the, at the end of the day as long as there isn't like a touch screen or a screen on your keyboard you're probably okay you might lose leds though if it's super heavily backlit yeah my, mine is backlit the way that i've been cleaning it is to take all the keys off put them in the bag of isopropyl and then i vacuum it because it just collects all the cat, the cat hair. Yeah. yeah. And then I take like Q-tips with isopropyl and, and just run it between everything, but it takes ages. Yeah. I used to do basically that time. same thing, except I would take it outside with a can of compressed air and spray and 
do that instead of vacuuming it because I don't I don't really have a That's vacuum. That's probably that more works effective. Well with that. <laughs> yeah, my my neighbors used to look looked at me pretty funny a couple times in, in 2020 because like there was actually people outside behind my building uh, during 2020 because pe- people would go outside to socialize distanced wise, and so I'd be sitting there like I don't know like five meters left of the smoking area with the keyboard and a can of compressed air. You're like, what are you doing? It's like cleaning stuff out of this. Ah. It, it's like when we, me and Solentre would clean our computers back at our other apartment. We don't have compressed air, but he's got like this um, blower thing that you plug in and it's base, it, it's it's basically compressed air, but you plug it in and it generates the air like complete reverse vacuum and I would take that outside and it's really loud open up the computers and just like turn it on and just launch dust into just into the air and my the neighbors would look at me like what are you doing <laughs> yeah I'll do, I do that with compressed air but I go down to the underground parking lot to do that well I would so just I go out think. on my balcony <laughs> I, I would do it um, on my balcony, but I got so many plants on my balcony. I don't feel like cleaning dust out of my plant pots. Yeah, that's fair. That's probably what would end up happening. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, though, like, um, not not sponsored, but considering the atrocious amount of hair, like cat hair that gets into my keyboard, I'm really happy with my, my Corsair keyboard because it works flawlessly despite the probably three and a half cats that are currently in this keyboard. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I also have to kind of shout out to the Cooler Master Master Keys. I mean, I bought this thing in 2016, and, like, it's going strong. Like, it's it's been through my dishwasher more times than I can count, and it's like, I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm proud of this keyboard. Keyboard, like, build quality is something that I don't think gets, like, talked about enough in the game space. Yeah, I guess mine, mine's now, a Logitech, but... and I've had it since, I think, 26, uh, 17 or 18. The G810. And I have spilt numerous drinks on it, which did for a while make it behave really weirdly, but now it's it seems like it's over it. So that's good. That is good. That is good. Oh, yeah. is normal now. Nice. <laughs> well, uh, th- th- this has been a, a a lovely little ramble session, but you know, this is a video games podcast, so I think that we're all going to just take a real quick break here, and then we are going to come back and talk about some games. And after we talk about some games, I'm going to be inserting a little bit of, uh, of, of an interview with the Odd Realm developer, so you have something to look forward to after we talk about our games. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to take us to a real quick, quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the games we've been playing this week. Do you like indie games? Or what about strategy? Are you tired of screen shake and motion blur? Stop by my streams on Twitch to discover new games and experience wholesome community interaction in a simulation sickness-friendly environment. You can find me on twitch.tv slash 2dkiri. I'll see you there. All right, everybody, we are back. This is once again the Halcyon Frequency Podcast featuring myself, Blind IRL, FG Squared, and Wood Jess. And uh, we're going to talk about the... Uh, games that we've been playing this week so you know what Let, let's let's start off uh, just at the top here and work our way down uh jess how's uh crusading as kings the third edition oh you know still still going i'm having a really good time with it remembering why i stopped playing it the first time which was because i can't stop playing it <laughs> i don't i don't see the problem here yeah 
same. Well, like, you know, I am trying to be a variety streamer. But I mean, all most I do variety is I, I wake streamers... up and I'm like, what's that? Go on. I was just going to say, most variety streamers just play Fortnite all day, but go on. I, I wake up and I just think, today I'm going to do something different. And then I sit down and think, no, more Crusader Kings. Must continue crusading. <laughs> I, I so mean, that's, that's like all I played I this week. I different. have nothing new. <laughs> do, do you have any fun stories of things that have happened in Crusader Kings? Kind of putting you on the I, spot here. I have loads, but one one thing that I've been trying to do now for multiple rulers is start a witch coven. And what keeps happening is I get very close to starting a witch coven because you have to have 60% of your house who are witches and the faith that my dynasty is doesn't... So basically everyone everyone is a criminal because it's super frowned upon. So everyone is just witches in the dark. <laughs> and so I have to find 60% or convert up to 60% of people in the house in order to start a coven and make it, acknowledge it, and basically no longer have it be a crime. But my rulers keep dying before I get there, so... For like four rulers now, I've been trying, and every time they die, you, you like, quote unquote forget who all the witches are. <laughs> it's just been a nightmare. I've, I feel like I should give up, but at this point, chat keeps encouraging me to to try again. So you know, yeah, this is either round three or five, or sorry, four or five. <laughs> Ideally, as somebody who has done that, I have actually created a witch witch coven. I did that with the when the um the the viking stuff dropped the the con the the not what is it called flavor pack there we go that's when i when i did that um because there is an achievement to do it as a specific uh type of uh viking and um what you want to do is you want to get somebody really good at like the whole intriguing and like talking to people thing and then just Go through it. Just have your ruler do nothing else but talk to people and convince them to be witches. That's what I've been doing. But the problem is, at this point, is my dynasty is so large. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is also they a problem, die yeah. before I get to sixty percent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to do it like really early on. Ideally. Yeah, I got super close, and then and then my my very first ruler was so close. I think it was in the fifties, and then he kicked the bucket. And then from then, it's just been an uphill battle that I can't win. <laughs> mm. I'm trying to see if I already have this achievement. Does it matter if you have the achievement, though? Like, games like that are just about telling a story, really. Oh, yeah, I, I know. I just I don't know if I have the achievement or not, because I know I've tried making a coven before. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I, I to, to me, like, the entire reason to play games like Crusader Kings is very similar to, like, the entire reason why you play Dwarf Fortress. It's just, like, yeah, you could play things super optimally and, like, aim for specific goals, but it's just a lot more fun to just kind of see what happens. Yes, I agree. And just to go like, for uh, the story and do yeah. wacky things. It's like, I, oh, yeah. I like hunting for achievements, especially in, like, shorter story-based games that I really like, where I want to just find, like, more dialogue and writing and things. But, like, games, like, Civilization even, as well, to a degree, it's like, it just, the game becomes a checklist, and, like, that kind of takes away from it a lot for me. Um, yes. 
but when when it's all just about like oh I, I maybe you're like you're working loosely towards something and it's more just about like the friends we and kids we murdered along the way like that's the actual <laughs> fun bit right you know yep no I agree like, yeah I, no I, that's something that I just love about Crusader Kings is it's just so entertaining and I, I can just keep playing it and keep playing it and playing it <laughs> I hope you get like ten percent of that feeling out of Dwarf Fortress when it releases. <laughs> I probably will. I, I love the storytelling aspect. I started this run with the intention to complete an achievement, and I did. But I'm still playing it because at this point, I'm like just so invested. Of course, yeah. In my dynasty, and now I'm I'm trying to I don't know paint paint the map. I don't I don't know what my ultimate goal is anymore. I already did it. Well, thank thank you much for the uh, Crusader Kings update, and I look forward to hearing more, which I'm sure we will. At some point, um, yes. I'm sure. FG, I'm sure do you want to <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about Core Keeper? Yeah, of course. Um, we'll just kind of bounce back and forth for the games that are left here. Yeah, on this yeah. One. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, so, um, Core Keeper is basically a TLDR version of it. I would just call it a mashup, top-down mashup of Terraria and Minecraft that you can play either single player or multiplayer. Uh, that, that's the TLDR version of it. It's early access. It's not finished yet. It's only got um, four bosses plus two, like four of the main bosses, two side bosses in it. Um, so you can't currently like finish the game, basically. But um, it's single player, multiplayer with up to eight people. They're, they have a roadmap. They're working on uh, eventually having um, also dedicated servers and that sort of stuff. So it's going to lend itself really to like, you know, the whole base building, exploring, crafting type stuff and um it's really fun i really enjoyed it um i, I have a question what yeah. what is core keeper doing differently like what makes core keeper core keeper because from my perspective i don't I, i've never been super interested in that style of game uh, aside from it looking kind of like at a top stardew valley kind of top down angle i to me it just looks like another one of those um according to fg it's not stardew it's terraria <laughs> Well, it, yes, no, it the camera Stardew, angle yeah. is Stardew. The camera angle is Stardew. <laughs> well, it's but the game down, itself right? it's is Terraria. I, yeah, I, yeah. I acknowledge the gameplay progression is Terraria, but is it doing anything different than Terraria and the games that it's emulating? Um, At the moment, I, I would probably say no. Not really. Okay. But, but as somebody who... So it's who mostly is... derivative currently. Yeah, but I mean, gotcha. yeah, a little bit, but it it has a little bit more, at least currently, like progress direction than Terraria does, so that helps. As in, like it's guiding the player more instead uh, guiding of guiding the, the player a little bit more towards, like okay. you know, the the how to where to fight the bosses and that sort of stuff. Gotcha. Also, um, it's got skills, and and like skill progression and that sort of stuff. Um. So there's like, I don't know how many skills, I don't remember, maybe 12, 12 skills, like, like fishing, mining, fighting, gardening, farming, that sort of stuff, um, up to 100. And you unlock also like, like unlocking skills, like raising your skill level gives you like unlocks. Like, you know, if you, if you keep running and your skill, you're running, then at some point you do more damage when you've just come out of a run and that sort of stuff. So there is there is a lot of good basis 
for it to become like its own game in the space and um so far because i was in the i was in the closed alpha for that and they've basically listened to every single bit of feedback that the community has given them and what is there is already really dang solid it the gameplay feels nice and tight like all the weapons feel nice and tight and that sort of stuff which is very important awesome and um they listen to feedback i mean and and Yes, it's early access, but it's an early access game that you can easily play already for 12, 20, 30 hours. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, it, that's kind of the, the, the status quo, I, I think, for, for games like this now. But like, whenever a, whenever a game kind of comes out that's very much emulating something else, I'm, I'm always curious to know if it's uh, more of a derivative kind of example of the genre or if it's an evolution on the genre. And that, to me, is kind of the difference between a game that'll come out and be interesting for a little bit and a game that'll come out and just kind of disappear. Like, uh, another kind of two examples of this is, like, um, Timberborn and uh, Going Medieval are mm -hmm. two games that I kind of look at that are, like, kind of evolutions, but also going... Or at least Timberborn very much is kind of going in its own direction, whereas Going Medieval currently... Well, I guess they're going medieval. But they're, they're kind yeah. of a bit more derivative, but it's 3D instead of we're trying to make a different kind of yeah. game progression wise and gameplay wise. So to me like that that is it, it's always it's just an interesting question to get to see if like to be the fair core keeper fair. stands out in that matter. Yeah. I did I did forget to mention a thing actually which mm -hmm. is something that you can unlock later. There's automation in the game. Mm. There's drills, okay. uh, uh conveyor belts um like inserters and that sort of stuff. Like it's it's very basic at mm -hmm. the moment. But there is automation, and you can you can you can build a rail network like a minecart rail work, and you can drive minecarts and that sort of stuff, which is pretty neat too. Interesting. Yeah. So right. so so there's there's you know it's 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 very early. It's alpha three right now. It right. Looks a lot more than an alpha, but yeah. Well, well, sure. like it's it's version point three, right? So that is gotcha. alpha. Yeah. yeah. You know, like going by like Rimworld standards and whatnot so there is a there's yeah. a there's a really 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 solid basis here for this to become really really good especially if there's mod support later on which i don't know has been confirmed yet or not i don't i'm not sure but there is a roadmap out there that people can look at and uh i'm excited like it's it's been really fun awesome. it all, it's also like quite cheap too so it's yeah exactly like that's why i said like you can already play it for 20 30 hours and yeah. that already puts you at like sub a dollar per hour, like easily. Yeah, yeah definitely. Which is always a good um, ratio, I think, for games that are in early access. All right. Well, um, do, do you want me to ramble a little bit about Grand Mountain Adventure? Mm hmm. So, Grand Mountain Adventure um, is. Or, or rather, what's the, what is the full? The, the, the full title is Grand Mountain Adventure colon Wonderlands. Um, because Grand Mountain Adventure, the original, uh, is a tablet game um, slash phone game. And it's a top-down... Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not like fixed camera or anything. The camera kind of like passively moves. Um, but it, it's, it's a pretty stable camera. But um, it, the camera moves depending on where you are on the mountain. It is a, a skiing and snowboarding game. Um, I have a, s a soft spot for this type of game. Uh, ever since the SSX games and F Ski Free and all that stuff way back when. Um, I played Alto's Adventure on phones when that was a big deal, which was another kind of uh, flat, like, 2D skiing game um, or snowboarding game. Uh, but this, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty casual, quite literally. It's, it's multiple different maps uh, throughout Europe. 
Um, and they're all fictional ski resorts in different countries, and there's flags from that country all over the ski resort. And it's it's just a, like, you, you take ski lifts to the top. Um, there is an option to just play an open uh, cross-platform multiplayer uh, where there's other people skiing around, but you don't have to do that. And you can race people if you want multiplayer, but I haven't really messed with any of that stuff too much. Um, but as far as a single-player game, it's a collect-a-thon. You, you, take, you go up the ski hill, you look at your map, you see where there are pickups and upgrades that you can pick up on the way down the mountain, or you can see where there are different routes that you can take, and it sets off a timer. There are trick areas. Like It's a very simple kind of, it's one of those. Um, but it's, it's got this really nice kind of lo-fi feel to it all. The music is pretty low key. I turned it off quite quickly and put on, um, like just some Aphex Twin and the kind of stuff that I normally listen to. And just like, I, I listen to chill tunes or a podcast and I ski down hills and it's, it's just, it's not particularly difficult. It's just super zen and relaxing. And, uh, it, it just reminds me of ski free and, uh, the older SSX games and I don't know, it's just been pleasant. I, I, I really like mountains. I really like um snow and that kind of winter setting and it's 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 just a very pleasant game that's it not nothing incredibly standout ish about grand mountain adventure colon wonderlands but i mean it's it's just very pleasant hey pleasant is good you know sometimes you just need something that you can just kind of do and your your brain kind of shuts off and you're just having a you know wonderfully chill time that's all you need which is kind of bad because another snowboarding game called Shredders just popped up, which I has like... I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, which <laughs> like looks more like... Because this is like a third person behind the back kind of thing. Also has really good reviews. It's like, it's currently 96% positive. And I'm like, maybe like I'll pick up another snowboarding game. Do it. I can't decide if like the camera would make me sick or not. But I, yeah. I did see this reviewed a couple days ago and... I've been thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I just... Well, I mean, it's got online co-op if you, if you want to play a good chat. Like, I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I would never stream mm-hmm. games like this. I, mm-hmm. It's not the kind of thing that I, I stream, but, like, I, I have so much nostalgia for extreme sports games. Like, growing it up, I played games... beautiful, game, too. I, yeah. Like, at, at, at my cousin's house growing up, I played a lot of ATV versus um, uh, MX. I played a lot of, uh, like, like, car racing games and off-roading racing games, the old dirt games. Um, a lot of SSX games and Tony Hawk and all that stuff. So like I, this stuff is just like ingrained in with games in my head and I, I love this kind of stuff. So I might, I might bite the bullet and try shredders as well. Um, but, yeah, I'm uh, look- yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking at Grand Mountain Adventures right now. It is not simulation sickness friendly. <laughs> Definitely not. not that camera. That camera is, is quite rough, but, um, just as a warning for people, cause like I would probably not be able to play it. They do have three different camera options. There's close, medium, and far. Uh, The close camera has the most rotating. The far one does almost none. Mm. But uh, the far one I can't play because it makes your character so small that I can't Uh, quite see it. Because, like, it it literally turns them into a little meeple. But, like, the game is so casual. Like, you can slam straight into a tree and your guy just kind of keeps going. Like, it it is very much, like, Grand Mountain Adventure is very much a casual game. (laughs) Yeah, for me, it's usually when... um, the camera moves independently of whether or not I control it. That's the problem. And unfortunately, yeah, you the, have the no game camera control that. in this game. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is on a fixed route through the mountain, depending on where you are. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, so, I'll have to bypass it, that. Shredders it, it's, looks it's, fun though. It's a smooth camera, so it's. I I, I like it personally. Yeah, no, that's but. fine. I mean, it's just you know. I, I, I totally I totally realize that smooth cam in games looks nice, 
it just makes me sick. <laughs> That's all. It's just see, it I, I have the opposite problem where like a super harsh cam makes me sick, and a smooth cam mm. doesn't. Like fascinating. It, it, I actually because the next game I have on here is Jupiter Hell. Jupiter Hell has an option to remove the smooth cam options and lock it to the character. That makes me feel ill. Fascinating. So, <laughs> like, because I, I tried it because I because I, back way back when when Kiri streamed it, she yeah. had the camera locked to the character, and that made me feel like someone was grabbing me by the back of the head and shoving me through an area mm. instead of just like naturally following a thing. Bodies are weird. Yeah. I, I really haven't figured out like what it is. Some games make me ill and I don't know why. Like I, I haven't nailed down a, a specific type of camera that causes it. To be fair, I can deal with that kind of camera. I, I won't feel like super duper great, but I can deal with it. I can adapt. It just takes a while. It's just if it's involuntary movement for me personally, plus motion blur. Motion blur is the thing that my eyes just and my body just goes like, this is weird. Something's wrong. Time to get the poison out of my body. Time to puke. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I also can't quite pin it down. I, I think that camera and camera direction in games is an art form that we are still perfecting. Mm -hmm. I, I, think, I think we're getting there slowly, but um, I think part of the reason that right now there's... I mean, this is this this could be a whole episode on itself. I mean, we should do this episode at some point. I think that one of the um, current problems is because there's so many people that are more amateur game developers making games right now and making games successfully because of the uh, accessibility of engines and asset packs. You don't need to be a programmer anymore to make a game. Yeah. Right? I, I think that there's a lot of default settings being used that maybe are designed to be tweaked that I see getting used, especially in more independent games and smaller games that do cause some pretty major motion sickness. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've gotten motion sickness from some games of smooth cam there. It's pretty rare, but it's happened, especially if it's more extreme, but the majority of games that have it, it's not a problem, but every now and again, there will be like one in 50 that it's like, Oh, like I can't, I can't deal with this. Um, that game for me is ego. I don't know why, yeah. but Eco's camera is I can't the worst even watch I've ever felt. Of Eco. I I really can't figure Same. it out, but I I have gotten like like so physically nauseous playing that game and I've tried multiple times and like I don't Same. know what it is. Another Same. another example that I have of a game that makes me ridiculously nauseous for no reason is a Deep Rock Galactic. I can play about 20 minutes of that game before I want to throw up. Yeah, G for me is fine, but Eco, I I just can't. I just can't. I can't. I can't play it. I don't know. I don't, and, and same with you, Jess. I have no idea what it is. But it just makes me I, so Yeah, Ill. I tried turning off head bobbing and, like, zooming out my camera and doing all these things, and it was, like, nothing helped. I, yeah. what's, the what's the field of view in Eco? Does, does it have a field of view slider? I, I'm not sure. I want to say yes, but I don't remember. Because for me, field of view is a big thing. If a game is like mm. less than 90 field of view, I can't play it. I, I just can't. Like, that's, it's not even an option. I just can't play it. Yeah, low FOV is definitely not great either. That's true. I think, I want to say you can, you can adjust it, though. I, I think you can. I seem to recall adjusting that setting. Maybe it's like how close your tools are to your camera or something. It's just maybe, yeah. 
I can't. I can watch it. I can't play it. Well, talking about games that probably don't cause motion sickness, uh, FG, do you want to tell us a little bit about Spirit of the Island? Yeah, you know, you say that. <laughs> <laughs> that probably don't cause motion sickness. Yeah, for some people. So Spirit of the Island is also an early access um, game that came out this week on the 16th. It is a life sim that you can play single player or co-op, which is cool. And it already has co-op. And it is sort of, um, basically, it's it's um, the perspective of Animal Crossing. It's very much like it. Like, the interior of the houses look very, like, the art style looks a little bit Animal Crossing, the latest Animal Crossing. Um, the camera is very much like it, except it doesn't have the curved earth that Animal Crossing has. You know, it's like a flat, it's like a fact, you know, because you, you mentioned that, Brian, you can't look at that because of the, how the, the earth is like, yeah, because the world rotating. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, it doesn't have that, it's flat, but it, it still looks like the characters and the art and like the, the general perspective, the top down view looks very um, Animal Crossing and great. Um, I'm definitely pro flat worlds here. Yeah, <laughs> not flat <laughs> earth, just flat world. I, I said exactly. flat worlds. Yeah, flat world's fine. Flat earth bad. Wait. Yeah, well, exactly. Silly. <laughs> and um, basically, the idea is you, you're 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 grown up, and your parents are like, "Go, be on this island and do your thing." Uh, turns out, though, apparently, you were actually found as a baby on the beach on that island. So that's there. You have a sort of mysterious backstory, and you're on an island, and everybody is like really sad and and poor because there's no more tourists. So you know, you, you kind of your job is kind of to like rebuild the town, and you can like hire staff, and you can have like shops, and there's farming and mining and combat and that sort of stuff. Um, it is early as well. I think it's version zero point one seven right now, so it's pretty early. Um, it does a lot of things right. And I think if for people that like live sims, especially Corrup, um, people will enjoy it. It does, however, have smooth cam with a pretty big delay. Like you can, you literally like let go of your button and your character will walk for like a solid half second before it even stops. And then your character, you ca the camera for the character will still keep going for a little bit. So it is a bit iffy. I got used to it, like in terms of like motion sickness, but combat because of that camera and how it moves feels iffy like combat needs work but it's early access so this this kind of feels yeah. like the thing that i mentioned earlier where it, it just feels like a smaller game developer you know and it's mm -hmm. gonna take more time they probably have a smaller amount of qa i would guess on a project of this size yeah i think so too it's just it's just something that needs like input from players it's just right now because you need to like judge the distance um from from like how close you are to an enemy because you need to hit them and you need to avoid their attack. But because you you let go of the button, but it doesn't stop walking, it's really hard to judge that. So it feels just a little bit off. It feels a little bit better, the walking, when you play with a controller, but then you have controller managing moving items from like one chest to another, which is also really annoying. So yeah, it just needs a bit of tweaking. It's quite fun though. I think people, as I said, like that have a... Uh, that enjoy live sims like this. I know Sui played it. She played it co-op as well. And I think it worked quite well. Uh, her co like when she played it in co-op. Um, it's quite fun. Like I enjoyed it. Um, obviously, but not finished yet. So it's it's a keep an eye on game. Excellent. 
Neat. It looks nice, but I'm not sure if it's a, a game for me. I can't decide. Well, I mean, so you're one of those things like, I kind of want to try it, but I also like don't want to try it because <laughs> I don't want to put the time into it to not like it. I mean, you played Stardew Valley, right, and enjoyed it. That's true. Though you did say you never finished it, but this one has co-op, so you could ro rope in Solantre, theoretically. Theoretically. <laughs> <laughs> so my my last one on here for games is um, very similar to the game I talked about last week, just because it's a more of a patch commentary than an actual new game. Um, Jupiter Hell is the game that I want to talk about, and I have like close to 400 hours in this game now. Um, they put out a really big update the other, uh, earlier in the week, and so I just kind of wanted to talk about that. Um, once again, this this is a traditional roguelike, top-down science fiction, um, kind of in the theme of Doom. It is the spiritual successor to a Doom fan game called Doom the Roguelike, um, and it is uh, it just got one. It basically its biggest patch since launch. What the the patch that it released does is it reworks the first whole zone, the first major zone, and all of the alternate branches from the first major zone so you know how a lot of roguelikes will have like a very distinct area and then another distinct area and then another distinct area kind of deal this mm -hmm. just remakes the whole beginning area um from small details like when you walk into a zone that you haven't or a room that you haven't seen before there's things like blood on the ground like little details like that that make it look more like there was a fight that happened things are broken there's like uh weird lights flashing uh, visual effects have been reworked. A lot of, like, the way the doors look look different. Uh, things are more visually decipherable and easier to see in a lot of cases. A lot of small tweaks like that. Um, combine that with, like, the, mo the previous patch where they added a lot of accessibility features, including, um, like, outlines on characters. And um, uh, also the game has full mouse support now, which uh, was a previous update, which you have to dig into an options menu to find it, but it's there. Um, and, uh, so the, the game's just kind of gotten a lot a big accessibility overhaul in the previous patch and combine that with this current patch, which fully remakes the early game. Now, the problem I think that Jupiter Hell had when it hit 1.0, the biggest problem, um, is that the, the first zone was the most boring zone and all of the alternate branches were the least interesting. Um, and the game kind of got good around the halfway mark. The problem is the game is bloody hard. So... Um, re reading reviews for the game at 1.0, it really felt like most people didn't see the cool stuff. Um, unless you were experienced with sty this style of game already and you were able to make it to the end. Like, if you know what you're doing and you read carefully in Jupiter Hell, you can beat the game your first run. Uh, but it's not easy to do and you kind of need to know what you're getting into in order to be able to do that. Um, this kind of just makes the experience of learning in the early game a lot easier and less daunting so even if you're dying a lot in the early game you have puzzles in the alternate routes which can give you big boosts by the end you have uh, a lot more like just storytelling stuff in the environments the environments are more uh, varied and have more interesting lighting depending on which route you take um, the drops are better in the early game now uh, there are more interesting uniques you can get in the early game now. The different routes have unique perks that are specific to that zone. So if you go in one of the areas uh, that have a lot more robotic enemies, you'll get drops that give you guns that do extra damage to robotic enemies. 
Um, and, and just little tweaks like that that change the rest of your run going forward. Just as an example, one of the alternate routes in the early zone has an area called uh, Rift, which if you succeed in the puzzle on the way through, there is a way that you can get permanent poison immunity for the rest of the run um, without having to have like a perk or an item on a piece of armor that gives you poison immunity. So like these are some pretty major buffs for the rest of the game that and that really kind of changed the feel of the whole run. And instead of like, all right, I got to get through the, this first zone Callisto as fast as possible so that I can get to the good stuff. Now it's, okay, how am I going to think about how I'm going to do the early game because it's going to affect my mid and late game. And it I, I very much feels like the game is probably at the best place that it's been since launch. And the next major patch is going to rework the mid game and do the same treatment to the mid game. And then they're going to do the same to the, the, the final uh, areas. Um, and... I think that that game's on a really good post-launch trajectory right now, and I look forward to where it's going to be in a year, but it's the best it's ever been, so very happy with that game right now. One day I'll try it. There is also um, a major secret that's been put into the game, which I'm not going to spoil here at all. There is a section of their Discord called Jupiter Hell Secrets, and it's been a week, and they still haven't figured it out. Um they figured out how to find the beginning of it, but they haven't figured out what it does or how to get to the end of it yet. So there's some really neat secret stuff in that game now that I'm waiting to be fully discovered so I can go see it. And then I'm going to do a deep dive on this podcast into that stuff once it once it's out. but Or once the secrets are out there and I can just follow a guide because I'm, you know, I'm lazy. I'll just let the community <laughs> do that for me. Sounds good. But, yeah. So I think that's everything for games that we have to talk about right now. So we're going to uh, take us to a real quick break. But before we come back from that break, uh, you're going to hear a little bit from the Odd Realm developer, which I'm going to record after this. And uh, we're going we're to talk a little bit about the Odd Realm update slash expansion that just dropped for Odd Realm called uh, the Sacred Sol Scrolls expansion, which he's been working on for like a year and a half. So um, that's, that's going to be a bit that you're going to hear. And then when we come back after that, we're going to talk about some news. And then, of course, your user-submitted questions at the end. So stick with us, stay tuned, and we will be back in a little bit. So we are back from that short break, and uh, I am now joined by a, a lovely guest host who I'm going to ask to introduce himself in a moment, but uh, I'm, I'm joined by the uh, developer of a little indie game called, called Odd Realm. Uh, it's a game that we you've heard about us talk in the past in this podcast, and uh, now he's here to join me. So if you could introduce yourself, that'd be fantastic, and tell us a little bit about Odd Realm. My name is Waylon, and I've been working on Odd Realm since, I guess, 2017. So could you tell us a little, a little bit about um, the kind of game that Odd Realm is and uh, the, the way that you kind of interact with the world as the player? Yeah, I always describe it as top-down Minecraft, um, but instead of controlling one person, you're controlling, I don't know, upwards of 50 or 70. And so you start the game off with a handful of specialized humans or if you choose um, one of the other races is called the ancients they're like skeleton people your first objective is really just to survive you know and you are presented with a, um, a procedurally generated world to choose a starting location to settle and um, you can choose from 
deserts and tropical islands. Uh, I don't know, you're kind of like northwestern taiga, uh, pine tree, forested area, uh, tundra. There's tons to choose from. Um, and once you get going, every every biome that you know from that you choose from will have different challenges and uh, pros and cons. And so, um, yeah, it's one of those games where there's no. It, it's hard for me to say like, oh, this is this is what's going to happen because the intention is you you never really know. And I I certainly haven't gotten there yet, but I want it. So that players, when they go into a game, it's it's always going to be different. And um, Odd Realm is heavily inspired by, as you know, Dwarf Fortress. And that game that is a game that has you know every time you play, you're going to have a different story coming out of it. And that's that's where I want to get to with Odd Realm, but with its own its own world stories to tell and and style. So, so you've been you've been working on Odd Realm for for quite some time now, and uh... That that kind of makes games like this appear to be a little bit daunting, especially like kind of the open-ended nature of that. So do you have any things that you do to kind of try and ease the player into, you know, the, the Z levels, the the management of many individual little characters and the, the mechanics in the game? Yeah, that's a great question. It is very difficult to ease players into this type of game. Um, it's sort of like throwing somebody into a pool that doesn't know how to swim and just like, all right, figure it out because... There's so much to teach, and as a as a one person team, it's not so easy to um, gradually introduce things because, um, you know, let's say I introduced everything one mechanic at a time. That's a that's a ton of work just to do that, and you know, for me, I'd rather add you know more content more. Um, races to play, more things to discover than always worry about how I'm easing players in. And that's sort of something that I sacrifice because in terms of like player acquisition and and being like a really successful game, because I I think the majority of people prefer having more content over, um, oh, it was a bit difficult to learn. And... I I think it's just the nature of this game where it's it you know it's going to require patience and the the only thing that I do to help players is I have a tutorial that like does try and introduce things in a way that makes sense so um you know when your settlers first start to um get hungry there is like a little prompt that says okay well um, they're going to die after a while. You might want to try X, Y, and Z, you know, maybe go collect some some naturally growing plants um, and get going that way. But yeah, it is extremely difficult to make something that has, you know, it's like it's a living, breathing little world and there's diets and people can have uniforms set up and there's, you know, I think there's 30 to 40 different attributes per character and all these different item types. So um, it's just brutally tough to to make it something easy to learn. And the other thing is, without rambling too much, um, 
the Z level mechanic is very unique. There, there's like, what do we got? We got Dwarf Fortress and, and Nomoria, like, and Odd Realm are the ones that I can think of where it's like strictly top down, no changing. Um, from that particular perspective, definitely. Also, the the way you do Z levels is a little bit different than Dwarf Fortress too, because like channeling and digging are kind of one thing where they're split into two separate options in a lot of games. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If you dig into a, a level, it takes off the floor above it, unlike Dwarf Fortress, but that's like really falling down a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if like, um, you know, I don't know if you can remember when you first played a first person shooter game, but for me, it wasn't like, you know, I didn't pick up the controller and instantly know what I was doing. I think there are certain mechanics that we're just mm-hmm. so used to as gamers and players. We just, you know, you pick up a controller and you know how to use first person shooter just because you've been doing it for 20 to 30 years or whatever. And with this type of yeah. game, it's so new. Like none of it is known inherently. And uh, that's a huge, huge barrier yeah. for people. Um, the The... <laughs> And I kind of mess it up sometimes as well, where I'm like building and I built something in there. I'm like, oh, okay. And there's a lot of, there's so many little things that I do subtly to help with that. But even with those things, it's it's really, it can be really confusing. And um, I'm just at a point where I don't really have the answer for teaching those things. I just try and take the feedback where it's like, okay, this was kind of confusing. And then I'll, you know, I'll, maybe I'll... Um, uh, darken the layer below a bit just to help highlight things and um yeah i don't know i don't know what to tell you with that one because it's just so it's so difficult for players to kind of grok well i i think a combination of the of, of the tutorial and like the the actual like like you said like all the extra tools that you give the player to kind of control and uh, play the game, I think, is is an added benefit. Um, I, I think that as far as learning curves go, it is, uh, it's definitely got the most comprehensive tutorial outside of the other games that you mentioned. I mean, Dwarf Fortress, which doesn't have a tutorial, and then Nomoria, which has never really had much of a tutorial, and also <laughs> poorly developed wikis, unfortunately. Um, so, like, I, I think that... Um, you, you kind of ride the line a little bit. Um, but uh, one, one something else I kind of wanted to, I, I, I guess, ask is, like, what do you think um, stands out about Odd Realm it, compared to just other town builders in general? Is it is it the Z levels? Is it the the fact that it's more directly uh, an inspiration to Dwarf Fortress, unlike something like a RimWorld? Um, what what do you think that uh, Odd Realm is doing that is kind of a unique feature? Yeah, that's also kind of a difficult difficult question because I don't really. Um go and actually take notes on all these different games out there and like see what they're doing and that sounds terrible but i just don't really care i just i don't know i kind of make the game for me and if people want to play it that's cool i i started the game from the inspiration of dwarf fortress where i was playing dwarf fortress and i just wanted to see the people i wanted it to be more tangible for my imagination to start going with and dwarf fortress is absolutely incredible i have nothing to say bad about it fantastic game and i just for me personally there was a little bit something missing like where i wanted to see these little people actually moving around you know engaging with things and have a little bit more life to it and um i never really intended to make 
something so heavily influenced by Dwarf Fortress. It's kind of gotten to the point in development where it's like, uh, Odd Realm is like, uh, a, you know, a, a child of Dwarf Fortress. And um, I had initially just intended to, to make something that was like a Dwarf Fortress light. I thought it would be like a little ant farm simulator thing. And just as I started developing, there were more requests for features that just sort of started to align with things that Dwarf Fortress already had. And so, if anything, Odd Realm just has a whole hell of a lot of charm. And I think it's, uh, you know, my intention as a developer is that I want players to get in there and just feel like really engaged with, um, I don't know if there's an English word for it, but it's, that feeling you get when you watch an ant farm or um, I don't know if you ever saw that Simpsons episode where Lisa creates like a little mini world and it, and it kind of evolves super fast, at like 10 X speed. There's like a certain human intrigue with that, that I'm trying to focus in on. And um, Dwarf Fortress is certainly like the forefather of that feeling. Do you have any like features that you've added to the game recently that you're particularly excited or proud of? I think you saw this already, but I just added um, the all the items actually showing up on your little characters, mm, yes. which it is um, something that has been requested for a long time, and I never really thought I'd be able to do it. But I just sat down and I was like, okay, I, I want... It, it is very difficult, because they're so small, it's very difficult to understand who's doing what and adding the visuals of the, you know, if you're wearing iron armor, you'll see green plated helmets and stuff. And um, that's that's a huge addition, surprisingly, that I'm really stoked on. And um, the one thing that gets me really excited about that is I was testing out putting like a crown on one of the humans. And one of my features I have planned is like leadership roles where you can determine you want you can say oh i want my settlement to have a king or i want my settlement to have a president or some form of leadership and uh seeing the little sprite with this crown on their head and them walking around the village and they looked completely distinct from everybody else really got me hyped for like the potential down the road so certainly that for me it's 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 an adorable little feature, and I, I I saw the the gif on Twitter earlier today, which is what I think you were referring to. But um, I I kind of um, pulled my team for a, a couple of questions that interested them, and um, one one of my one of my teammates, uh, Kiri, uh, was actually streaming the game the other day, and and she kind of has this question, which is, um, do you have any like future plans or I rough idea when the game might hit a 1.0 state? Yeah, I've never announced a date because I've suffered in the past from like promising things and then it just makes things like either confusing yeah. or uh, I don't meet those deadlines. But so take this with a grain of salt. But my internal deadline is the release anniversary, which is uh, January 10th. And so next January, I want to have 1.0 done. Yeah, and that's not, 1.0 isn't like know. the game is done. It's just, you know, I want the three ra yeah. the three additional races finished, so there will be five in total. And there is a bunch of 
overworld map stuff that I'm going to add. And those are the four main hit list points that I want to have done for 1.0. And I think I can get those done this year. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for, for taking the, the time to guest on this podcast. And um, if to anybody listening out there, if, if you would like to hear a, 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 longer, a longer version of us talking, uh, there's a video on my YouTube channel from getting close to a year ago now where we talk quite extensively about the game and also uh, an interview which is going to be going up in the, in the coming days. Uh, where we talk about the Sacred Scrolls expansion that just released. So uh, if you could tell us uh, where people could go check the game out, uh, then we can move on from there. Yeah, well, first off, thanks for having me on on the podcast. That's really cool. Um, and you can find the game on Steam, on itch.io, and on GOG, and hopefully other places later on, but not yet. And uh, it's 10 bucks. you know, if you can... Buy a coffee, you can probably buy Odd Realm. <laughs> <laughs> it's the price of two cups of coffee, and you also have a Patreon if people want to chuck extra dollars at you. Uh, of course, uh, there will be links underneath the in, in the podcast description if you want to go find it. And we are back. Welcome back to the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. Due to the magic of editing, we uh, had a little bit there with the uh, Odd Realm developer. I hope you enjoyed that. And now we're going to talk about some news. And I think Jess is going to take the first one here. Yeah, sure. It's been a little bit of a light week for news, but there was a state of gameplay reveal for Hogwarts Legacy that I think was just re uh, released yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, I believe so. Yes, looks right. Um, what are your What are your thoughts on this? It's like so. <sighs> yeah, I, I think all <laughs> of us have like we 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 all have like some history with Harry Potter, right? We grew up mm -hmm. in the last twenty years, I think. <laughs> last 30 years give or take and so i i've seen i've read all the books i've seen all the movies i yeah. think that jk rowling needs to be shot into the sun but this game isn't made by her but then there's also the fact where there's the game so i don't know fg do you have anything to say like just kind of off the bat yeah i mean so the, 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 yeah it's it's probably how how do I how do I succinctly put put this? It is it is it is probably a game that I I really wish I could play without my conscience yelling at me. But because my conscience is yelling at me, I will not because mm -hmm. Rowling just she, yes she is not directly involved with the game, but she still gets money for it and that's just i in in, so, in no good conscience can i support that and promote that like so it's it's not even just a won't stream it but won't play it won't buy it kind of thing for yeah you? i think so i think so as as much as as cool as it looks um and as cool as it would be to like run around the world and explore it's like it would just feel tainted and i would just constantly think about it and um, definitely don't want to promote it on my stream because I have members of my community who are trans and that would just feel, would feel like a freaking insult to them. Like, from, like, like I would feel like I would be insulting them by promoting something that is, I know, not directly connected, but it is, it is connected enough that she's going to make lots and lots of money from it and I don't want to support that. So first things first is I, I wanted to see if I could figure out what her cut from royalties were. So I did a little Google search. 
Um, and I typed in, is JK Rowling? And the first thing that, was, that popped up in Google oh, search God. results is of dead, <laughs> still alive, <laughs> died of COVID. <laughs> the first three um, that popped up. Oh my God. Um, so that, I guess, uh, shadows public perception, but I, I, I don't have an exact number here, but yes, yeah, she will be receiving royalties. Um, yeah. I think the, the important thing that I want to say first here is this game looks really pretty. It looks really nice. Gameplay looks quite smooth uh, for an unfinished game. Like, there's definitely mm -hmm. some hitching in the gameplay itself. Um, as a game in that universe, it looks like a good one of those. It kind of reminds me of when I was initially seeing gameplay of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, going, oh, that looks like a good Star Warsy thing. Um, and this looks like a good Hogwartsy thing. Um, yep. Now, I just want to echo everything that FG just said, um, kind of about community and the the person who created Harry Potter. Um, but I just want to throw out a bit of a devil's advocate argument here for a second. Developers get jobs if games sell, right? And yes, a lot of the devs who are making this game are on salary. They're not going to get huge extra bonuses if the game sells super well. But these are people who also don't agree with J.K. Rowling working on this game. And J.K. Rowling is a horrible person. That's fair to say. But a lot of horrible people worked at Blizzard Entertainment and still work at Blizzard Entertainment. And there's a lot of people streaming World of Warcraft, and there's a lot of people streaming Diablo. There's a lot of people streaming StarCraft. There's a lot of people streaming Overwatch. And while I condemn a lot of things that J.K. Rowling has said in the past... And yes, she is getting royalties from this. She is not... She doesn't have any say over what is happening in this game. She's just receiving royalties. Now, this brings up another topic on like the, the subject matter that this game itself is tackling, uh, which maybe we can talk about in a second. But when it comes to whether or not you should support a game, just remember that it's up to you to pick your battles. And I don't know if this is the best hill to die on necessarily. I No, I I, I agree. I agree. It's it's just like this is the Like is if like, anything, if you're going to stream this, stream it and also fundraise for Trevor Project. Like do do something good with it and embarrass the creators. Like it, that, that's exactly just, that is that is the that is literally the only way that I could see myself. I was I was actually going to say that like as an interjection. Literally the only way I could see myself actually playing this game on stream uh would be, be with a but while doing a big fat uh fundraiser for uh charities that support uh trans people exactly yeah. um <clears throat> and uh so so i i haven't 100 percent decided but mm, like yeah, 90, 95 95 of my my heart just says i i just won't be able to enjoy it yeah, no, I, I, I can absolutely agree with that. Like, it's there, if I were to play this game, which it's, it doesn't really look like the sort of thing I would play yeah. anyway, so I kind of have, like, the easy argument here. But if I were to play this game, there would definitely be, like, that background feeling of, ew, gross, which is mm. the same feeling I would get if I read the books again or if I watched one of those movies again. Maybe not so much with, like, the first two movies because those are just, like, nostalgia fests for me at this point. But, mm. like, it's, and, and don't get it's me wrong. a weird thing. It's difficult. I feel, I feel... Um, 
I, I also feel I feel that conflict that that conflict that you you mentioned. I feel really bad for the people that actually worked on this game mm-hmm. and they they put their heart blood into this, and and they deserve also recognition for what they've done. But def- definitely, you know, because you know it's 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 a cool thing to like actually make a video game. It's it's a cool thing to get something finally with modern technology in this universe, but. Even with all of that, I, I just, I, this, this is a, as I said, it's a personal thing. I, I would just have that noise, that voice in my, in the back of my, my brain, just going like, "Ew, no, ew." There, there Ugh, is one other thing bad. that's worth mentioning. Is to my knowledge, this game has been in development longer than this scandal. Yes. So yes. that's, that's actually what I was gonna interject and say is like. This game is everything that I wanted out of the Hogwarts world, like, my entire life. I grew up with Harry Potter. It's a really, really important story to me and, like, my development as a kid. And so, like... Same. Sure, there's there's plenty of different opinions going around, like, death of the author, vice versa. But, like, it's it's sort of my memories and my feelings with the story are disconnected from J.K. Rowling, and I can kind of hold on to that. And when I first, when, when Hogwarts Legacy was first leaked, I, I was trying to find the date it was leaked, but it was a long time ago. It was I like was at a so... mall, wasn't it? It was like a walk-in I... QA thing where you signed an NDA. It yeah, it, 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 it was a, like 2016 or 2017, right? It was, it was leaked, it was and I was out, so excited. Yeah, that was a while ago. I like I was so excited like yes I cannot wait and now I'm sitting here like I I see both sides of of the argument and I don't have an answer. It it looks like 2018 was when that leak happened. Mm. Open it's... world Harry Potter game leaked. Yeah, it, it um it was a, uh, a a public QA thing where you could just sign an NDA and play a video game. But it was very obviously a Harry Potter game. It's kind of hard to hide that a Harry Potter game is a Harry Potter game. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, um, I guess that was not as long ago as I thought. But I—that's still kind of a long time. That's four years. <laughs> four years <laughs> kind of ago. A long time ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, no. Th- this game's definitely been in development. If if I had to guess, probably like six years, at, at least. Um, so this game's been in development for a while. Honestly, and and this is just me. I, I pick my battles, right? And I, I think that's up to the individual at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, pick your battles, and if 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 it makes you feel bad or if you think that that take is going to impact your experience with a thing, just don't play it. Wait until it's on sale and super cheap and give them less royalties. Um, or, I, you know, buy I, it I, in I, a I, Humble Bundle or something. Like, just, like, you don't have to play things at launch and give them the most amount of money as well. I should also mention, <clears throat> I won't think badly of people that do decide to play it. Mm-hmm. Right? It's their, it's their, it's their choice. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to me, this is a very similar thing to like, should you like, should you stream World of Warcraft? Well, a lot of bad people worked on World of Warcraft that did a lot of bad things, but a lot of good people are still working there trying to get a paycheck so yeah i think this goes back to the buying an organic tomato thing 
Always buy, <laughs> always buy the organic tomato. Grow your own. Damn it. I, I, I feel like if you've seen The Good Place, you, you yeah. might get the reference. But otherwise, it's like, that. what? <laughs> but um, I, do, do we want to talk about the, uh, the the story of this game a little bit? Or should we just kind of like... Yeah, we can, we can mention it at least. Because it's... Yeah. Um, so it's it has actually like, that's why it's called Hogwarts Legacy and not like Harry Potter Hogwarts years or something like that because it has incidentally nothing to do with Harry Potter the character or you know the Wizarding Walls or anything like that because it is set in the at the end of the 19th century uh, in the 1800s and um, your student that joins Hogwarts late you know i think you're in your fifth year so you attend classes but you also have like catch-up like study sessions basically just mini games yeah it's like (gasps) yeah yeah but you but you know you say that to die to like totally digress you say that but bully was really good i I, I would play another bully (laughs) i would play another bully yeah exactly but anyways so you go there so you have your normal classes (laughs) But you also have like these these one-on-one coaching sessions where you do like mini games and you can excel at things and get better and that sort of stuff. And then I don't quite know how you go from that to uh, now there is a goblin rebe- rebellion. But then, yeah, but basically the, the major plot is that there's a goblin rebe- rebellion and you, and you have to fight against the goblins. Um, Which on its certain... So- Something that I, I, I tell my chat all the time is one of the things that I do as part of my work is I overthink things for a living. <laughs> and I, I, I think that, so I, I can ramble for hours and hours and hours about the way Dwarf Fortress generates racism and the way that different uh, character archetypes act depending on where they were raised culturally and how they act naturally. Um, and whether or not we should all hate elves because elves are cannibals but that's their religious culture and they only do it after battle and humans did that in our history so should we hate humans from like should we hate everybody from new zealand because like they had cannibals that lived there previously no um and so to me it kind of comes down to how do you handle this subject matter because I, i think it's it's a pretty commonly known fact that fantasy worlds like Tolkien worlds, uh, D&D as an example, any, like, that these archetypes were created as human equivalents for what we perceive as acceptable racism to have human stories in a fantasy world. These archetypes are often attributed directly to a particular culture in human society but dressed up so that we it's not immediately recognizable and it feels fantastical but when you read into the writing these characters often end up being written as particular social or racial archetypes um in harry potter specifically the goblins are bankers um and they're very visually similar to the early D goblins which are very much a um, anti-Semitic archetype. Um, and I, I think for me, this isn't something that I can immediately look at in a game like this and judge it because I haven't played it. I don't know mm. how, like all we have is this 15 minute video that kind of frames this plot line, but I don't know how it's handled in the game itself. It could be terrible and horribly racist and be an unpleasant gameplay experience because of that. But 
maybe they go a bit more Dragon Age with it, and it's actually quite interesting. So I think it falls down to the quality of the writing at that point. Yeah, it does. But and then like, because the problem is obviously not 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 just like historically speaking, those stereotypes have existed in fantasy mm-hmm. worlds and and writing. <clears throat> it's also there is the president precedent in Harry Potter itself with the house elves, and hey, we're mm-hmm. like slaves, sla- we, we, you know, which are basically slaves, but it's okay because they like it. Which is a whole nother, like, giant, like, just problematic yeah, but, but, red flag. Ab- absolutely, but, like, because of that, like, I, I, am I, oh, God, am I defending J.K. Rowling's writing? Uh, because of that, we also got, like, <laughs> Dobby's storyline, right? Yeah, of course, of course. Which is, uh, y- y- th- there, there are... Things in wizard culture. God, I, that's a sentence I never thought I'd say this morning. Uh, there, are, there are things in wizard culture that are socially completely unacceptable in our world, mm. but it's a fantasy world which allows you to have situations like that that are crappy that we recognize as, man, that is bad, and then you have a writing opportunity to have interesting storylines with that. And Dobby is a kind of uh, something that people still talk about because it is a really good example of interesting writing using problematic themes. Um, is it handled perfectly? No, absolutely not. I, I don't think J.K. Rowling's writing is... Got, it's not very good, uh, no. It's not very good. Like, there, there is a lot of problems with that. But it was a... You know, when I was reading that book, I was a little kid. And for me, that was... Like, you know, we, we mentioned earlier in this discussion that, like, I think Harry Potter impacted a, a lot of us in our uh, in our lives. And for me, that was, like, one of my first times really encountering writing like that, talking about racism in kind of a veiled way, and then realizing that later, and or in this case, slavery, it, it, realizing that later, and then seeing how it was handled, like, that that's interesting writing. That is taking a crappy stereotype and doing something kind of neat with it. And I think that this game has the capability and the potential to do that. True, Maybe. yes. Yeah, it's just it's just so far the precedences from the Harry Potter world are not there cuz remember how Slytherin is basically a house because this is the house for racists. Like it's This is the like, house uh, for white supremacists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and, and then Gryffindor is the house for uh, centrists. <laughs> and then Hufflepuff <laughs> is like the rest. I don't know. Everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, so... but what about Ravenclaw? <laughs> That's where the he nerds are. They they live in the library. So I, they never... yeah, I did actually forget about Ravenclaw. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the thing is, the thing is, um, and and I agree with you here. Um, it is it is. It can potentially be a very sensitive topic matter, but I think there is a chance for the game to shine because I, the writing is not Rowling because it's different I, I, writers, right? Sorry, I, Actually, I, I felt like I was almost interrupting you, but one one little anecdote I just want to just drop in here is because they're under the shadow of J.K. Rowling, I want to see them overcompensate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Jess, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was going to... I started thinking about this while you were talking. And as a quick aside to what I was going to say, 
I actually really appreciate being here in the recording with you both because I think you both are very well spoken and quite eloquent with explaining your points of view. And it's just interesting to sit here. And I know this is just a vocal recording, but I'm like, uh huh, uh huh, nodding yeah, in the background. <laughs> <laughs> just, just listening. I'm <laughs> Um, so while I was just listening to you both talk about this, I actually got started thinking about if this is Hogwarts in the 1800s, what are they, um, I guess I should back up even further. If JK Rowling is not really contributing to the development of this game, what are they using to create this, this atmosphere and this environment? What I guess what sources are they using? Are they using the books? Are they using some of the supplementary texts? Or are they just creating new aspects? Well, just themselves? you have to remember how licensing works, right? Warner Brothers owns the rights to make Harry Potter content, um, just like Disney owns the rights to make Star Wars content. So if you want to make a Star Wars video game, like I, I don't know what the, the exact process for this game was, but I can briefly like kind of talk about licensing. If you want to make a Star Wars game, you go to Disney and you say, I want to make a Star Wars game. And then you give them a bunch of money and they give you the asset Bible or the um, the creative Bible, which is basically here are all of the Star Wars sound effects. Here are all of the assets that you're allowed to use from movies and exact details on how to model them here or stuff that they've already made in some cases. Um, here is all of the music and the rights to use the music from Star Wars. And here is all of the history and world building and everything that is currently canon. Go. Um, and that's usually how licensing works. And I'm assuming this is a similar, similar situation. Mm -hmm. so I, I just feel like it must be kind of difficult, though, because, I mean, I guess there's movies to go off of. But um, in the books, she doesn't really describe things very well like she she um writes the story around the characters but i have noticed in rereading in recent years that she just doesn't really build up the environment outside of the little bubble of the character and so i i do kind of wonder like how they are supplementing that at, at this point i think the movies have fixed that problem to yeah. a degree like, th th looking at this gameplay, because I've just kind of got it running in the background with no sound on while, while we're talking. Looking at this gameplay, it looks like the movies. Like, mm -hmm. there's definitely some environments that are, like, yeah, they're a copy little pasted more fantastical. From the but it, it does feel a lot like they've just marathoned all of the movies and the extended universe stuff. And we're just like, all right, that's our direction. Go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so, too. If you look through it. Like, there, there's definitely some stuff. Like, I mean, like... They have some cameos from people that can have cameos, like the ghosts, because some of the ghosts have just been at Hogwarts since Hogwarts became Hogwarts, right? Yeah, um, I, I saw Nearly Had the Snick. He looks just like in the movies. Well, exactly. Sort of, yeah, but... yeah. Exactly. So so they've taken some stuff directly uh, from there. And then I think they just kind of went with the same... Yeah direction i mean it, it does look like it does feel like everything like just kind of like when you look at it, it it does feel like it is part of the the you know extended universe hogwarts is kind of a known quantity visually as well and it's uh, it with everything that the movie has i don't think it is that much of a stretch to just 
I probably assume that Warner Brothers just kind of has a, a, this is all the color palettes. These are deleted scenes or sketches and, um, you know, imagery and storyboards that we use for these movies that didn't make it into the movies. Like they probably have tons of reference material. So yeah, true. that would be you'll have... my assumption. Mm, of what true, they're yeah. probably All going. the set designs and whatnot as well. Yeah. 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 So at the very least, they probably have like an architecture guidebook on like what things can look like. And like, let's think about the aesthetic of Harry Potter for a second here. It's late century castles, light steampunk and magic. And like rusty old vehicles that shouldn't work properly. And aside from that, it's, it's British slash kind of Irish countryside with fantastical buildings sticking out of the side of cliff faces. Like that's kind of the aesthetic of Harry Potter to a degree. Like there, there's never really a point in Harry Potter where like suddenly they're in Africa, right? Like they're, 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 I guess like there's like the goblet of fire sequences where you have people from other areas coming, but like generally it's, it's pretty like late medieval fantasy steampunky Europe. Yeah. Yeah. So. Definitely. This was a much longer bit than I was expecting. <laughs> we have we clearly had a lot to talk about uh, and Apparently. to say about it. So yeah, where's that? Nice. All right. Uh, to to uh, hmm. We can we can we can briefly talk about something that is not really gaming related. Um, sure. I think um, mm. this is this is a this, basically the 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 headline is that a streaming service called Alt Air, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's not Alt Air and not Alta Ear. Maybe. I don't know, actually. Um, it, it never really got off the ground and has now been shut down. Um, this is a streaming service, if you've not heard of it. Um, popped up after a lot of the uh, crap went down on Twitch um, in the summer of 2020. Um, where it was revealed a lot of people are very bad people. So this is a particular streamer that then gathered a group of people and they said, okay, we're going to make a site that's going to be better. We're going to take better care of our creators. We're going to fund this site. And, you know, they had a lot of really, um, really good ideas, I'd say, but not a lot of financial, like it was all, it was all crowdfunded and invested like crowd invested i believe um and uh they 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 wrote a little little breakdown in their blog and whatnot but then they weren't even live yet but they had already running costs of fifty thousand dollars per month and that is that is that is website software service everything um salaries for the people and at that a is... glance, they um they were raising money on WeFunder, which yeah. I've heard of before, but never heard of anybody actually using it. And yeah. uh, they've raised like one hundred sixteen thousand dollars, which is not a lot sustainable. No, from 146 not if you, investors. If you have fifty thousand uh, dollars expenses per month, it's really not. And um, they they said they could go on for another three to six months, but they they. Because the site is not really live yet. Yes, there is a couple of streams running. There were a couple of streams running on there, but nothing like major or big or anybody. No, nobody had moved over there as a streaming platform. Um, like, they they basically realized running costs are only going to get up, go up. 
while income for them is just going to stay down. So they've shut down. I think I think this um this this like sort of popped up at the same time because that was also when when Mixer happened. Plus um right Mixer shutdown was then as well, right? That was 2 years ago already, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was a little, uh, little more than 2 years ago, right? It was like What is time? For the pandemic, June. right? No, that was that was in June. That was in June 2020. 2020? Yeah. Okay. So beginning yeah. of pandemic then. Yeah, so so and this 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 service popped up too late two two months later. So there's also um, Trovolo or whatever that the one that starts with a T. There that are also others up around that and, same and, time. Yeah, and um, there's there's another one that also hasn't really gotten kicked off where people were like rumored to say that this is like what Doctor Disrespect is like doing now, like mm. they're just gonna make their own his own platforms, which I don't think ever end actually went anywhere. Doctor like Disrespect platform. is actually making an NFT first person shooter thing. Yeah. <laughs> so things, good luck to him, things. I yeah, guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So they ran for about one and a half years, but never actually got kicked off the ground. I think they had a, good, a lot of good ideas, but not a, not maybe not quite enough business expertise to realize how... You know, how... It's, it's kind of funny... Because I, I was like, I was reading a little bit about this service because I, I completely missed this one. I, I'm, I'm mm. familiar with a couple other smaller streaming services that have launched or are trying to launch in the death of Mixer. And I also kind of follow a couple others that have been around for a while. Mm-hmm. And the problem that I see is a lot of these services launch and they all say, oh, we're going to take better care of the creators. We're going to pay better. We're going to do this. We're going to pay you to stream. We're going to... They, they always have like money, 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 money as the forefront. The problem is, is none of them have the audience. Mm-hmm. And I think what they don't mm-hmm. realize is that when streamers move to a new platform, unless your name is Ninja, and even in Ninja's case, a large portion of the audience ain't going to come with you. As an example, Ninja had 150,000 concurrent viewers on Twitch at his heyday. When he moved to Mixer, he had 10,000. Yep. That is like a more than a 90% drop. So for an example, for me being like a 60 concurrent streamer, if I move from Twitch to X platform, I'm going to go from 60 to 5 by that yeah, logic. same. And so it's just, it's not worth it for a lot of people to move to a new service. And paying better just means that you're going to make less money. And we all know that Twitch didn't make money for a really long time, and they had yep. massive investment, right? They're profitable now, but it was a really long period of time of them not being profitable. Um and I, I, I think that a lot of these services just kind of underestimate the costs going in. Yep. Yeah, I think so. I mean, most people still underestimate the running cost of, of Twitch. And then it's not even like, it's not even like, it's, and, and, and it, they also underestimate brand loyalty of the viewers. Mm-hmm. Like, people, when you ask people where they watch streams, so. They just say Twitch. Maybe, maybe YouTube. YouTube nowadays. and Twitch. YouTube but and Twitch. It's still mostly Twitch. Like, funny story. Um, literally had the house guy here today to do um, a courtesy visit where we were like, you know, we need this is repairing, this is repairing. He he went and he came into our into our living room where we have a computer set up, which means me with my four monitors. Lex has two. I have two computers. He has one. It's, just, it's like this entire like. You know what you would call a a battle station. He just goes looks at it and is like, 
you a game streamer or something? And I'm like, yeah, I stream on Twitch, right? Like, that's the one website that, that people have heard of. And that is, that like, enticing people to move to a new platform is, is, is so hard. It's so hard. People are so, people love routine in that regard. Like, they just don't go somewhere else. And new new stuff is poopy. <laughs> We're also at a point right now where Twitch is so huge that I don't think anybody outside of one of the big corporations could actually pull off launching a new service. Like I, I think like if if Apple turned around and was like, We're gonna launch a game streaming service where you can stream video games on the internet that maybe could take off. Maybe. If they focused it on like apps. And stuff that's on um, Apple Arcade. Like, there, there is a world where I think another big corporation could launch and do all right. But, man, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, monopolies aren't good. But I don't like YouTube. And I kind of like Twitch more than YouTube still. <laughs> So yeah, I, yeah, no, I, I feel, I feel, I know what you mean. Like <laughs> I, I, especially like with the status of the world right now, and this is kind of a sideways tangent, but I've had some people asking me if I could mirror my YouTube channel onto one of the various blockchain-based video networks that are mimicking YouTube. Like they mimic YouTube right down to the layout, right? Like they are YouTube mm. clones. I'm not going to mention any of them, but like I went, I looked at three different ones the other night um, because I had somebody uh, in one of my audiences say, "Hey, like." Uh, there's a very real chance YouTube's going to get blocked in Russia. What are the odds you could mimic uh, or mirror your channel? Because some of these services, like straight up, you upload the video to YouTube and they will automatically copy it over to their channel on your channel and monetize it for you. Like they will do that. And I looked at like three of them and every single one of them was like, there's no reporting function. And the reason they have an audience is because they just let people who've been banned from YouTube on there. And it's like, great. So you go to these sites and the first thing you see is just like, alt right, like, crap and it's like i don't want to be next to this um so the only platforms that are trying to compete with a lot of these services survive because their audience are people that have been banned from the popular platforms and that's not something i want to be next to even if it's yeah. an alternate revenue source mm -hmm. and i like the only live streaming service that isn't twitch that isn't youtube that has been around for a while that i know of that is successful is dlive the reason dlive is successful is it pays out in cryptocurrency and they don't have a report function. You can't report people and nothing is against the rules. The last time I went there, literally on the front page of their site, the highest viewed channel on their site that had like a thousand people watching was some guy from Southern US rapping about how he doesn't like certain people. Um, yeah. Very racist yeah. rap. Like literally freestyle rapping about why he doesn't like black people. It's like, I, I, a lot of these platforms are successful because they take the rest. And I think when you're trying to make a more progressive platform, like what they were trying to do with Altair, as cool as it looks, Twitch is getting better in that regard. Twitch is slowly doing a better job of, like, handling um, uh, trolling and those issues. And it, they, they are getting, they are improving. It's, it's baby steps, but they are improving. Yep. And I think that people are more likely to just wait out that getting better than they are to jump onto a different platform. Yes, well, 100%. According, according to their statements, them being all there, they have a backend build that they're, they're quite proud of. So, you know, maybe somewhere along the line, somebody with a bit 
of monetary backing would be able to pick it up and build the vision, but maybe that's just me being optimistic. Because I, I do think that Twitch would really benefit from having some competition, honestly. No, absolutely. competition is great. Yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, I, mean, I, I miss Mixer for that reason. Mixer yeah. was good in that regard. Mixer, Mixer was the reason we got low latency. Mixer was the reason we got bits and a lot of other things. Whether or not uh, you like bits, eh, bits it's no. a different thing. Bits, but, no. Like, but it, low it, latency, yes. It's still the reason that we got bits. Whether or not bits are good, that's a whole other discussion. But it's still, I think, the reason we got bits. Because Mixer did it first. I think we got also, bits before Mixer launched. No. No, 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 we didn't. Am I crazy? Yeah, no, bits bits came. Oh, God, when did Twitch bits come? Uh, Africa had, um, basically, they had b balloons, maybe? Yeah, Mixer launched January 2016 as Beam. And bits came in Je uh, in June 2016. Okay, so yeah, it, it wasn't Mixer yet; it was Beam at the time. But yeah, but I, I, I think I'm pretty platform. sure bits were in the works longer than that. But I, I could be mistaken there. But I know that like channel points, um, uh, picture in picture ads, raids, uh, a lot of the features that we use every day on Twitch now are were Mixer yep. features. Yep. Uh, multiple channels in the same screen, the multi-stream stuff, that's also a Mixer feature, and Twitch implemented it poorly. <laughs> but, like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a lot of those features that we use all the time are Mixer features, but... Oh. I guess well, TLDR maybe... competition is good, and we miss it. Yeah. Yeah, this could be a whole other episode. It could, yeah. <laughs> it could, uh, well, indeed. I got something here that hopefully won't be a whole nother episode. Um, first off, I just want to say shout outs to anybody who bought the itch.io for bundle for Ukraine, um, because I'm just popping it up here. They raised $6.37 million um, with their bajillion tiny little games, which was a lovely bundle. However, uh, if you are still feeling uh, generous and you want to throw money at a good cause, Humble Bundle, I guess the heavyweights in this industry, um, have done the same thing, um, which conveni conveniently launched right as um, the itch bundle ended. Now, this bundle is more expensive, um, but it does include 123 items, but um, it's, I, I think the average right now is $51 Canadian. I, Jess, could you give me an American equivalent? Um, this launched right as we started recording, and at time of recording, they've raised 1.5 or 1.5 million in Canadian dollars. Uh, again, that's because I'm looking at the Canadian website. Yeah, um, it's 800, almost 860,000 British pounds. It's a lot I'm of money. I'm sitting at 1.12 million. US, yeah. Which is like in uh, two hours, mental. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, it's mental. Yeah, so the, the, I mean, they're the heavyweights because they have just way more traffic than itch, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, regardless of like the owners, this is not a bundle that we can give you affiliate links to. This is 100% profits right, go to charity. charity. Yeah. There is no dev split. There's nothing here. So it's, you pay the average and you get these games, but I just want to shout out a couple highlights from the top of this Satis And of course, like you, you get keys for all these. This is not like it's exclusive to a particular platform. This is, you get keys for the games. Um, just some highlights at the top. Satisfactory, Back for Blood, Metro Exodus, Spyro, Reignited Trilogy, Max Payne 3, Sunset Overdrive, Quantum Break, Fable Anniversary, This War of Mine, Slay the Spire, The Long Dark, PGA Tour 2K21. I didn't, I, isn't that a free-to-play game? Um, Endless Space 2, Ring of Pain, Starbound. Like, this is, like, it, the list goes on. It's right? a lot and, of games, yeah. Plus, plus comics. Um, comics, like, tabletop stuff, 3D printable D&D &D things. 
Um, they have game assets like Game Maker Studio subscriptions and, and RPG makers in there as well, and some photo. Um, There's uh, photo PDF software. software. Yeah, PD, yeah, PDF <laughs> suit is in there as well. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there. Music There's maker. a synth drones and FX loop files, yeah. which you can do what you want with, which is kind of awesome. Like, yep. I don't know. It's this is a this is a great bundle. Um, this is a heavy hitting and... bundle with like you know whereas itch was more like you know indie games and indie devs coming together. Yeah. There were indie games in this as well, but it's also like ginormous AAA titles. There's also some titles in here that were also in the itch bundle, like yeah. just at a glance. Wonder Song was also in the itch bundle. Um, I, I I want to say that uh, su yeah, Super Hot was also in the itch bundle. Piku Niku was also in the itch bundle. Uh, Inmost was also in the itch bundle. But like, you get a Steam key for this, yep. right? Like, this is better in that regard. Um, so yeah, there there are a few, definitely a number of overlaps. Yes, there's definitely it's some cool overlap because here. that means the developers just kind of threw it at both. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Thumbs up no, in my mind. I, I, <laughs> I'm definitely gonna pick up this bundle. I mean, it's gonna be on sale for a little bit. I'm, I'm looking for an end date. I don't see one. Six uh, days. Okay, offer I think ends in says. six days. Yep. Offer ends in six days. So we, you, you've got a week. So I, I will, I will pick this up. Um, I already picked it up. Yep. And I very, very nearly missed the HIO bundle despite talking about it last week. So I just went ahead and bought this one before I even have a chance to forget. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too good. Like even if you have some of the games already, just give it to friends. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. buy it and give away the ones I already own, and yep, or put yep. them into my giveaway list, and then because I want to play I want to play Spyro Reignited Trilogy. <laughs> it's it's pretty good. I haven't so, finished it. it. It also has really terrible motion blur, but you know, I still want to play it. <laughs> that's fair enough. The motion blur didn't bother me in that one, but oh, that's good. I also yeah. want to play Sunset Overdrive, which is a game I've never gotten around to playing. Yeah, I've had that in my in my library since that came out, and I never <laughs> played it. About right. it's, it's so good though. It's a really good game. Like I watched somebody play it, uh, and that's why I bought it because I watched somebody stream it, and it was it, it's just really fun. But I just I just haven't ever set it up. <laughs> also, like Expeditions Viking is in here. Crying Sons is in here. Gloria Victus is in here. Yep. There's 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 some... all of the Amnesia games are in here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dear Esther is in here. Warsaw is maybe the most fitting game you could play right now. Is in here. War Groove is mine. in here. I mean, you know. Kingdom, West actually, of Dead, Tooth of T Tooth and Tail. There, there's there's a lot of really good games in here. I do have some um, comics too that are probably very related. Mm, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, very very related. So, yes. shout outs to Humble. Raise a lot of money for a good cause, and not a fan of IGN, but shout out to Humble. Good work. Yeah, yeah. So this brings us to the closing segment of the uh, the pod here, where we talk about um, some questions that you guys ask us on the Discord. So uh, if, if you're not already, go to the website, halcyonfrequency.com, and scroll down to the bottom. There's a little link to the Discord server. Hop into the Discord server and uh, drop us a question in the questions room. Uh, we got a couple of questions here, and uh, I'm going to throw Jess one here. Do, do you, can you read this question from Prismatic Flux? Yes. If you could learn another language, why is it Japanese? Uh, I mean, what would it be? <laughs> <laughs> Am I meant to answer this as well? <laughs> I think so. I mean, yeah, I think yeah, we all are. Theoretically, okay. yes. Okay. Well, I mean, after having read it. So I have been studying Japanese. I've kind of been a little lax on it recently because I started learning German instead. 
but I have an active Duolingo subscription and have tried 10 different languages <laughs> since I started because I want to learn all the languages. But the one that I've landed on that I'm most consistent with is German, mostly because Salentre has experience with it and he wants to learn it too. So we're kind of doing it together and it's much easier to pick up than Japanese is. And it also has the benefit of I, I kind of know some people who speak German, so that's helpful. Ooh, who could it that sign? <laughs> <laughs> also, also, I love how I said that, and I just realized after I said it that I said it half in English, so never mind. Because <laughs> I said who instead of wer. <laughs> I don't even speak my own language anymore. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> womp womp. Ah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so does... Okay, wait, that's probably not a good question for that. I'm going to ask it anyway. Does Lex learn, speak or has tried to learn German? No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Because we there, there is not really any chance, reason, or anything like that, why we would go to Germany. So it's it's kind of a moot point. So... My normal answer for this is kind of a moot point right now because they're currently invading countries. So I, I normally would say I would learn Russian because that would actually be extremely helpful to me because there's a lot of weird games that come out of Russia that I, if I could read the UI, it would be a lot easier to learn to play those games. Um, but I, I think like my easier answer for this would probably be either French or Spanish. Um, the reason for Spanish is I could go to, like, parts of the States or Mexico. Um, and the reason for French would be Quebec. But then there's also, like, the wrench into the thing where, like, living here, it actually would be really helpful to learn... Um, uh, w w um, Korean, specifically, because there's such a huge Korean population here, and I go to... Korean restaurants quite frequently. It would be nice to just be able to speak to half the people that are in those restaurants because a lot of them don't speak English. Uh, instead of being mm -hmm. like, number one, and pointing at the menu. Um, that would be helpful. Um, but I don't know. I We live in a weird world right now where, number one, I live in a huge country on a huge continent and vast majority of them speak English. Uh, so it's kind of tricky because like learning another language is not going to be immediately useful to me. Whereas if I lived yeah. in Europe, learning another language would be extremely useful to me. Well, I definitely identify with that. The, the, thing, the thing is, <laughs> if you learn a foreign language, it, it, it will, regardless of which language it is, it will always take you time to learn to communicate in it. But I would say learning a language is never useful because learning languages, first of all, it'll keep your brain active. It'll help you speak your own language better, mostly because you, you start thinking about grammar and that sort of stuff. And... Um, you get exposed to a different culture, which is always good. So even if you don't get fluent in, in a language, it's still good and yeah. never useless. <laughs> I, I think there's also like a, 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 something to be said for like, if you could tap into like the Twitch por Portuguese or Spanish audience that are like quietly massive, mm. um, that would be really helpful. But like those individ like individuals who, who speak those languages, when they pop into my chat, usually they just speak English anyway. Yeah. Um, so like, I can't think of one that would be particularly helpful with work, but yeah. But it's, it's still always a cool idea to like, just connect to people with, or connect Probably. with yeah. people in like, so, okay. So, so, 
Um, if I could learn another language, um, what would it be? Um, Finish. Answer all of them. <laughs> yeah, right. That's my answer too. Uh, I <laughs> am, finished, however, so you know what Bellinaire's uh, uh, wife is saying. <laughs> uh, the the funny thing is, um, I I literally just posted that picture yesterday. Um, I I finally set up uh, one of my shelves next to me, and uh, put all my language learning books on it because I love learning languages. It's great. Um, and the books I have on it here right now are Japanese. Korean, uh, Spanish, Italian, and Irish. Um, I'm only actively currently working on Japanese, um, which I've, I've tried to pick up in the past. And as much as I like Japanese and Japan, I, I, there's just something where it just took me forever to get like hiragana and katakana into my brain. So I'm progressing slowly. I am... I have books. I have lots of books that I'll hopefully get back to. Um, my brain was just like, like 99.9% of my brain was just taken up by this whole moving fiasco that was going on for like the last three months. Yeah. And I just had, I didn't have the mental bandwidth to focus on anything like that. But so I, I also use Duolingo. Um, I think a lot of people just use it because it's, it's free. Though I do also have the paid subscription, but I try Me to, I, I do it every day. And uh, I am happy to report I'm now up to a 73 streak. And that is a true streak with literally having done something every single day, not using a streak freeze. So that's pretty cool. Mm, and I'm at 389, really... but I definitely have used streak freezes quite <laughs> nice. liberally. Nice. I, I've never used Duolingo or any of those apps but mm. some this isn't like learning english this, this isn't learning another language but this is helping other people learn other languages i i hate dating apps i think that they are terrible um but I, as a single dude i'm on them quite a bit and something that <laughs> i've discovered specifically through tinder um is there's a lot of people who use tinder not as a dating app but as a way to learn languages and other cultures and talk to people in other countries mm. um and i've matched with a couple people in like indonesia and like uh various places in in asia specifically because they're like the most they use it the most that way and they they it's not a relationship thing they just want to talk to you about like what yeah. your country's like and practice typing typing in english um and that kind of thing is fun just like explaining what it's like living in canada to somebody who's very very different um so not quite learning a language but yeah no it's just cultural exchange but like so so i've um, and this is this is a like an anecdote I was going to talk about and then didn't. Um, where I said like even if you can't communicate in a language, it still opens up um, ways of communication. Is um, I I used to be really into StarCraft and I really got into um, learning Korean like gosh almost like eight years ago now, nine eight years ago. Jesus Christ. Um, and oh, yeah, learning I, Korean would let me watch StarCraft better. <laughs> I was I was never like 100% fluent because it's a freaking Asian language and it's complicated. But I went to Korea eight years ago and I was fluent enough to talk to people and order food and like read a uh, a bus plan like that was entirely in Korean and that sort of stuff. Like you know that was pretty cool. Like I was I was pretty fluent. I, it's all gone now. But like the, the From watching Starcraft. No no no. Like I said that because I was into Starcraft, I started learning Korean properly. Oh okay. But right, I have gotcha. books and whatnot. Um, but, uh, because 
I did that and I went there and, you know, I had like a connection. I had yesterday, I had a person come in and follow and uh, they just said hello. And then they, they you know, because they had a Korean screen name. Um, obviously, I, I saw that. And then they were like, uh, uh, just asking in chat, like, do you know Korea? And then I was like, yeah, I know Korea. I've been there. I've been to like this place and this place and this place and this place. And I don't know, like, it's like, it's like it creates like bonding moments that otherwise mm -hmm. wouldn't have happened. And yeah. that sort of stuff. So it's 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 cool. Like learn languages. It's fun. It's it, I promise you, it's it's really fun yeah, and rewarding. It is, it is. I so I said I have ten different languages that I've tried learning on Duolingo or like done some lessons for: mm. German, Danish, Swedish, French, Navajo, Latin, Japanese, Irish, Russian, and Korean. Nice. <laughs> it's very eclectic mix. <laughs> I mean, I have, I have. If I if I count all the languages that I've dabbled in. So obviously I'm free, free like um, fluent in English and German, but I have dabbled in, uh, and this 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 is from like learning at home a little bit to like literally having it at school for five years, which was Latin, um, Latin, French, Finnish, Danish, Spanish, Italian, Irish, like Gaelic, um, which was really cool because we actually got to go to like, this was at university. And we got to go to Ireland for free for language classes because uh, because of the EU, because they, they do, they have like projects to like promote, uh, you know, um, like small languages and that sort of stuff. It was really cool. Anyways, I digress. Um, Russian, <laughs> Korean, Japanese, uh, Hebrew. And I, th I think that is it. <laughs> So I this really... question comes in from Faulted Thrower, and they say, uh, what is currently your favorite song, and who is it by? But languages. But languages. <laughs> I don't know. We've got, like, two notes about how long this podcast has been recording yes. in, this, in, our, in our private chat here. So I just... It's very short. No, it's fine. Um, I, can, I can very quickly answer that. I currently... I Okay. I don't have a favorite song right now. I don't really do that. I have favorite playlists that I go through. And they're very eclectic. Um, they're currently full of like EDM, K-pop, shanties, and yeah, that's about it. It's, it's, it's very eclectic. It's like a really weird mix of things. And it kind of depends on my mood, what I'm into. Jess, do you have an answer for this one? Um, yeah, so I think I've mentioned this before. I don't like answering questions about favorites, but okay, the answer is I don't have a favorite, but I do have two songs that are, I guess, like in, in my mind, I want to shout them out. So I've mentioned previously I do, I could tell you the artists that I really like, and I've mentioned it many times, Dance Gavin Dance. I have been listening to the instrumental um, versions of their music. They release everything sans vocals. And I really love the instrumental version of Suspended in This Disaster. Another song that I super like, I just said that, super like, yep, um, is a song called Knees Up, and I'm not 100% certain how to pronounce the band, I I want to say Breabach, it's Gaelic. So, not certain, but it's it's a song in Gaelic, and they're they're a contemporary folk, like a Scottish 
folk group, contemporary folk. And I really just, I love that song. And Suspended in, in This Disaster, just to me, the instrumental version is just, oh, so good. It's amazing. I, I, the, the, the hard part about this question isn't the first part of it for me. It's the second part and the third part. Because this, this question continues on, which is also in what is your least favorite song by the same artist, followed up by, or if that is not interesting enough for you, what is <laughs> something you love to hate and a second thing that you hate to love? So if I were to answer what my favorite song is right now, um, I don't have a song by them that I hate. Uh, there's albums that I listen to less, but um, if I were to call out my favorite band slash song, uh, it would be the band Hum, which is just H-U-M. And my favorite song by them is off of their most recent album called Inlet. And the song is called In the Den. That's probably been my most listened to song since it came out. Like I listen, I, I, I own the, the, the record, the, the physical version for it. And I listen to it maybe three times a week, maybe more three to five times a week. And I also have a tendency to listening to the entire album on Spotify while I'm out of walks pretty frequently. So I listen to the physical record maybe three times a week and on Spotify uh, countlessly more than that. Like it's it's not even describable. Um, I don't really have anything by them that I don't like. So I have kind of a cheaty answer for part two slash part three of this question. Um, I have a song that's been stuck Why in my head. I didn't answer part two. I, I have a song, <laughs> that's fine. I, I have a song that's been stuck <laughs> in my head for the past... Uh, six weeks, which has nothing to do with the fact that a big video just came out about this song recently, which reminded me about a, a whole bunch of stuff that I remember researching in my early days on the internet. Um, but the, the song is Call On Me by Eric Preds, um, which it's maybe one of the biggest earworms of ever, um, which was originally a dance mix used by the members of Daft Punk that the, was then stolen by one artist and stolen by another artist and then published under Eric Perez's name by his record label without his permission. So it's technically a stolen song that he performed live once that his record label published without his permission. And uh, then to respond, what's my what's uh, my least favorite song by the same artist? Everything else Eric Perez has ever written because I don't like any of it. And um, what is something that you love to hate is that song, Call On Me by Eric Perez. <laughs> and also I might be falling down a rabbit hole of buying all of the bootleg stolen versions of that songs that different artists have published over the years. There's only about eight of them, but they're all really cheap records. And I kind of like all of them because it's such an earworm. Do that either of you know what song though. I'm talking about? Yes, I do. I, I had okay. to, I had to I look don't. it up, but as soon as I heard it, I was like, Oh, that song. Yes. Which is, is actually a is... sampled version of a song called Valerie, um, <laughs> where he says, call on me, but it's instead of call on me, uh, me, it's call on, it's it's the short one first and the long one second, so it's actually backwards. Anyway, whatever. It's mm. stupid earworm, but. I, I can I can answer actually a little bit the second the second question. Wait, this, the, um... the, 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 the second part of the, the music question. Um, yeah, I can do that too. <laughs> I, I listen. I listen to a decent amount of K-pop, not like super obsessively or anything like that. I don't have any favorite bands or something like that. I'm mostly like, oh, this is a cool, a cool song. I like it, and then it goes on a playlist. Um, I don't really follow like bands or artists or whatever. But generally speaking, I always will very much dislike their slow songs for some reason. I I enjoy the fast songs like the upbeat, poppy 
EDM, whatever. Like the, the dance songs, yes. But then the slow songs, it's it's there is not a single slow K-pop song that I like. So that if that if that that is a sort of a, a slightly more committed answer to that question, I guess. Yeah. I, I yeah. feel like part one is the most important part of this question. The rest, are yeah, just kind of yeah. But um, I feel kind of like for... I'm cheating by throwing call on me in there, but you know. <laughs> I definitely skip part two, and if I had to pick a song I don't like by this band, again, Dance Gavin Dance, I don't know that I have so much a song, but I have, they've been making music for many years, and so they've actually transitioned a lot of band members, and so the older albums I'm not a big fan of, because I didn't enjoy their original vocalist. Um, hmm. his, his name is, I, hold on, uh, Johnny Craig, and he was replaced by a vocalist named Tillian Pearson. And Tillian, to me, just has, like, such a beautiful voice. I just, I love listening to it. And combined with the fact that I, I think their music, their musical composition is just so interesting as it is, combined with his voice, it's just like, ugh. So good. And so I've gone back and listened to older albums, and I just skip, 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 skip. <laughs> nope. Dislike. <laughs> but I just, I love their new music. Awesome. Well, I think this is going to be our longest episode ever after I edit the other <laughs> bit in. So uh, I think what I should do now is just say, thank you, everybody, for showing up for this episode. Thank, thanks yeah, to the two thanks of you for having for me. Recording. That was really fun. I really enjoyed that discussion. I, I, Are you I, sure you don't want to keep talking about languages? I mean... Or Hogwarts <laughs> and Harry Potter. <laughs> if, if you want us to start a languages podcast uh, where we learn languages and talk about it, uh, tell us about that on the Halcyon Frequency Discord in the podcast topics section. We won't I'm do down. that. But, like, I mean... I'll, I'll I mean, it. if enough people talk about it, maybe... <laughs> maybe we could have a languages episode. I just... Realistically, I just want to do a Dune podcast where we just read the books and talk about them chapter by chapter. But like, no, <laughs> no nobody wants to do that with me. So, sad. <sighs> anyway, um, this has been the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to get more episodes of this podcast, you can find that at halcyonfrequency.com. Uh, the VODs are available on YouTube. If you want to watch it in video format, if you want to listen to it in audio format, it's available anywhere where podcasts are found. If it's not available where you happen to listen to podcasts, uh, shoot me a DM on Discord or just at me on Discord or at me on Twitter, and uh, we'll make it appear there, or I'll do my best to make it appear there. And... Uh, yeah, if, if you really like this podcast and you want to give us five stars for a five-star runtime um, and you want to jump through a lot of hoops, you can give us a rating on iTunes or any other podcast platform like Overcast or Podcast Addict that has a rating system and reviews system or like give us a follow on, uh, um, what, what do you call it, uh, Spotify, which also helps. Um, and if you uh, would like to uh, Find us all. You can find us all through the website. And uh, Jess, you want to tell us a little bit about you and where people can find you? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Jess. Whoa, Jess. Whoa, underscore Jess on Twitch. Without the underscore everywhere else. Um, you can find me Mondays through almost sub-Friday, but Thursday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Mountain Time. I play a lot of strategy simulation management, indie games, or maybe just CK3. <laughs> <laughs> well... 
maybe, hard maybe to not. tell these days anyway. <laughs> so, someone's got to play CK3 so that other people don't have to. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> a, 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 FG, uh, where, where can people find you? Yeah, hi, I'm FG Squared. Uh, you can find me uh, everywhere. YouTube, Twitch, uh, Instagram, Patreon, under that name. I'm also on Twitter, but there is a sneaky underscore between the FG and the Squared. And uh, I play a wide variety of games, a lot of indie games, um, Mondays through Fridays. And uh, next week, we're going to dive back into um, Rogue Heroes. Because they have a new DLC coming out. And then also, not so indie, Rune Factory 5. Ooh. It's still niche, though. Yeah, but... Rune Factory's pretty... Is it fair to call Rune Factory niche? Is Rune Factory a niche game? Oh, it's... it's, Maybe that's the title for this podcast. Is Rune Factory a niche game? (laughs) I hadn't heard of it until today. So, (laughs) maybe. That doesn't mean much coming from me, honestly. Well, let us know in the in the, in the factory niche, Discord. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Go, go, go tell us. Um, I said chat. Hmm. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I should probably uh, just say my schedule real quick because I, I've gone through a major shift. I'm no longer streaming on weekends. I now only stream three days a week. But instead of streaming like normal human amounts of time, I'm going to stream inhuman amounts of time because I do have that capability assuming I'm rested. So I am going to be streaming Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays going forward. Those are the only days of the week I'm going to stream. But on those days, I'm going to be streaming approximately 12 to 15 hours a day. Um, so it's going to be a marathon once a week. But I used to do stuff similar to this. And the happiest I've ever been in my entire life was when I worked four days a week with 10-hour shifts and a four-hour commute, um, which is approximately 14-hour days. So I'm trying to emulate the best working schedule I ever had, which was probably the best mental health I've ever had in my life because I've been really down the past couple of weeks and it's been pretty tough and it's been showing. Um, So this is going to be three days of streaming, one YouTube and podcast every day, and then uh, going forward from there on, it's it's I will have days off or I can do bonus streams if I would like to at that point. Um, So that's going to kind of be my schedule going forward. Um, So I won't be live as often, but... Probably close to the same number of hours in the long run. So uh, YouTube channel won't change at all. But if you want to find me, you can find me at twitch.tv slash B-L-I-N-D-I-R-L or stupidskull.com. You can also find me on YouTube. And I've been tweeting more recently, which is out of character for me. But um, yeah, so at blindirl on Twitter. And with all that, I think it's time for us to take us out of this podcast. So uh, thank you very much for listening. We upload on Sundays. You'll hear us again next week. And now is where we all thank echo you, everybody. And say goodbye. Thank you. Oh, bye. 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 Uh, okay. No. Kaput. <laughs> <laughs>